this is going to be the first episode of some of the insight for 2022. I don't know if Monty's actually doing that thing. Do you still do that thing where we're like renaming them as like seasons as always like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something? <laughs> Are you doing that? Still? How, how does this work? Is it season five or so? What is it? Yeah, I mean, we uh, we ha it's been interesting because obviously we've had more than five seasons, but it's been broken up over like eight years. So I am yes. just increasing it by one. I mean, we could call it 2022 season episode okay. one but then it just adds more characters to the youtube title which means we don't get as much room for like clickbait titles that make you actually want to watch the show so there's, there's pros and cons now interestingly enough that ties in because if the lcs was a long-running american let's be real it'd be a sitcom wouldn't it, it wouldn't be a drama or a thriller on hbo <laughs> with incredibly nuanced characters and maybe ian mcshane playing someone it would be a stupid show like friends with a shitty character like i mean chandler binge making pithy but somewhat inane attempts at like you know humor puns sexual entendre there could be a lot of that shite going on there you know maybe you could have a moody emotional character who draws all the you know set attention in the room to him jack maybe i don't know who that listen i'm just throwing names out there i'm spitballing this is like one of those crazy hollywood you know pitch sessions in the 80s isn't it i'm on cocaine who isn't so let's just see what we can buy out here but what i would say is this if this indeed was a long-running show like your aforementioned buffy the vampire slayer smallville friends those sorts of shows be a bit shocking wouldn't it if you got to say in this case monty season 11 going into season 12 maybe what would happen if you were in season 11 or 12 and someone finally figured out the biggest asshole villain character from season one turns out he's an asshole and a villain monty you're not gonna fucking believe this and you know the sort of dunce like character it's not like joy from friends who didn't seem to know anything in season one it was just going around going what hey man what's what how are you doing what if he was the guy who attempted to expose everyone and the whole time everyone in season 11 and 12 was like what my oh my god he's a villain can you even believe it and this genius guy's told us and the whole time monty me and you were in this show and we'd been saying from season one you know that guy seems like a massive dickhead in fact you know all this stuff we're all watching on camera like this reality series yeah you're all gonna wreck on this and in 10 years come out and go well, I actually, uh, I, I actually disavow that individual, and I don't think that's acceptable <laughs> behaviour. And Riot Games might even go, remember that guy we saw on camera doing all that stuff about 10 years ago? Probably should look into that. It's a bit fucked up, isn't it? And then another guy in the Riot office goes, yeah, yeah, get ahead of the problem 10 years in. Yes, I love the way this guy's thinking. See? Everyone says nothing's changed. Who's the thinker? Who's the th exact? So you get the point. You get where I'm going with this. Apparently, Monty, you weren't going to believe this, mate. Reginald turned out to be an arsehole. What? Double lift of all people. Conveniently, when it appears, double lift's girlfriend, the former president of TSM, is no longer working at TSM. Wow. Another what? high school drama has come forth again. Apparently, I got it wrong, mate. It's One Tree Hill or the OC, this one, isn't it? It's not even something like Smallville. It's just some garbage high school drama. I was wrong. <laughs> I, I just can't believe how bad the script writing it in the lcs because when you want a twist if you want a twist to like show that somebody has actually been evil the whole time you don't fucking film it for years and let everybody see it and publish it yourself on the internet and then all of a sudden one guy who's been there the whole time who could have said this at any point in time in his entire career says Oh, maybe there's something going on here. Shocking revelation for absolutely everybody. And how convenient, like you say, that it just happens that it's when Lena is leaving the company simultaneously. And then we at Riot could have investigated this at literally any point in time over the past 10 years. 
The information has been made public. Wasn't Acadian on the crackdown saying that Reginald like ruined his confidence? And guess what, guys? I know from my behind the scenes sources that it triggered a bunch of investigations. Like you've seen it, you know, you've seen it within the articles that have come out that the Players Association is now getting involved with it. You see that Riot is getting involved with it. You see that TSM is actually having their own investigation of this issue. And it's like, why now? Why not? Like, and also for all of you motherfuckers who have spent years trying to gaslight us that this thing hasn't been happening the whole time or that he wasn't a giant asshole or any of the other, hold on, hold on. Any of the other things that you try and gaslight us over that we know are true maybe maybe instead of arguing with us because you're a fan fucking listen for once use your brain and your eyes to look at the evidence yeah by the way two things one the mic is like popping a little bit and then two the other thing is um here's what i would say in this scenario right this is the annoying part like monty says this was already known as i even said they're even referencing like double lift himself as evidence brought up the fucking game cribs thing game cribs isn't like some secret zabruda film that was like sourced from underground sources with potentially missing frames and we're trying to figure out the kennedy assassination we're talking about the fucking reality tv show that's been hosted for 10 years now no it's not 10 years about nine years and we all saw it at the time we've all even hilariously referred back we even did a bloody episode episode two years ago where we watched an episode of game cribs or something didn't we i'm sure yes. we did that where it's like the one where like the dyrus was you know was there when fucking chaos got fired or whatever you all remember that emotional moment where he cried and then said well the joke is he didn't improperly what air made and he goes ask me anything but like he didn't mean it that way we all know it just seemed a bit awkward you know so anyway here's what i would say this is the part i can't handle if you, if as you described it had happened, it would make logical sense. Imagine, right? Reginald's a guy who just had the perceived image of an arsehole. You know, it's implied by the fact that he's a bit snippy with people on Twitter or, you know, with the press, he'll sometimes have some drama. Me, Travis, people over the years, right? If then Doublelift was like, and you're not going to believe it, guys, there was a secret documentary that was filmed, but it was so horrible that Reginald and Riot had it canned and it was hidden all these years. But <laughs> Lena, of course, she had access, didn't she, in the TSM faults. So I'm going to present to you new footage you've never seen before and then he pulls up those two clips there's the special one he's crying berating him at LCS there's the one where Wild Turtle's about this close to his fucking face and he's just going it's all Wild Turtle's fault isn't it Wild, Tur Wild Turtle's in play Turtle's a fucking idiot, idiot. you're saying he's not an idiot right imagine that just came out now I, listen I, I'm with you that would be such an insane plot twist that's like because then it would be like you know maybe you can judge a book by its cover wow ooh and what does it say no we again we saw this footage 10 years ago this is Mental now, <laughs> guys. This footage came out like at the beginning of season what or oh, season three in LCS yes. in the scenario, which was the first LCS. It was in 2013. This footage came out. This is ridiculous. And then also, like, what I found really shocking was <laughs> because obviously Double F was implying it's an open secret, as we've also alluded to. Like, that's why people like me, and Reginald also, uh, me and Richard also knew about Riot, for example. These are open secrets among the right people. There's the part that I found the craziest is when Reginald's approach to get it like dismissed was he just had I speculate an endless stream of like almost like there's a show we have in the UK called This Is Your Life, where like you sit down and you don't know you're gonna be there. And they introduce you like in so and so, Monte Cristo, this is your life. And then they'll have like, who am I? 
You probably recognize my voice because I was telling you, Monty, you naughty little boy. That's right. I was your high school teacher in chemistry education. And someone got, right. It's like, it was like that. It was like, and I am the odd one. You might remember me from season three of the LCS. Reginald never said anything mean to me. Anyway, just moseying on by. Reginald, hell of a guy. And then it was, then it was like, it's just a stream of people coming out. And what I don't get about it is, right, as far as I can tell, and this is going to seem like a mildly insensitive comment, because if we're going to actually talk around this topic and make jokes, sometimes it's going to So all I'm going to say is this. The equivalent of as far as I can tell logically that Reginald was going for is if someone had said hypothetically imagine Reginald had a wife and someone had accused him of beating his wife and so every other member of his life came out and said well I've never been beaten by Reginald so that just seems you know you make your own mind up one testimony against like well, I don't get what the it, connection it, is well the odd one saying it's fine make like you know the story the things we saw on camera and all have happened it was a weird scenario right and you know people are going to take things differently and you know I a lot of people have come out including Dyrus and said like you know it, it, it was fine it was a fine experience yes. even though this stuff was on camera and that you know Dyrus is in charge of his own he's life he's, his perfectly, he's, he's perfectly willing you know it, we have to just take him at face value about what he thinks but the fact is and this article exposed it and I can corroborate it from people who have talked to me, which is that Reginald went and he dia he just messaged a bunch of people and asked them, begged them, as Doublelift was doing this stuff, to say nice things about him on social media. That that happened categorically. Uh, he went he ran around and asked for it, and that's why these people were all of a sudden tweeting who haven't even been involved in League of Legends for years at this point in time. But you, the problem with doing this is when somebody asks you to do this, you have to take a step back and think to myself, think think to yourself, well, what if they, you know, there was actually something wrong or there, this behavior was affecting certain people in a very negative way. Do I want to be on the hook vouching for this guy when, again, there's ample evidence that he does this to people. We know that that's true. And if you understand that that's the case and there's video evidence of it happening, how do you know what's going on within TSM, especially if you're not even part of the organization, if you are part of a different org, if you've never really been part of TSM or haven't been in a decade, like it's really hard to go out on a limb unless you know that it's not happening. And as we can actually tell from the fact that these investigations exist, it was happening. Like we know it was happening. Um, you know, Doublelift was there very recently. You know, Lena didn't even come out and say it wasn't happening. You would think that she would be the first one to try and protect the company, especially while she was still working there for the short overlap that this thing was. Sure, she has stock as well. She probably even has an interest yeah. actually potentially in sure. not letting this go public. If if it wasn't for the fact, spoiler, we suspect maybe she was a driving force in it going public, you know. Aside <laughs> yeah. from that. <laughs> I mean she might have had enough of the shit too. Who knows? Like <laughs> who knows? And she just couldn't deal with it while she was there for obvious reasons. Not I do appreciate though that what's gonna happen in Ready Money, people haven't thought this through. It's not about who loves TSM in season three. It's not about who loves TSM season seven sorry about who loves season T tsm and season 10 what all you need to know fans is at the end of history there's going to be a list the people who did the most damage to tsm now look me and monty are high on the list you know we're gunning for that top spot we want the legacy we want to go out you know like like fucking want to go out like wilt chamberlain with all the records don't we the problem in this one is think how bad the list is going to be monty everyone who fucked up tsm it's going to be leaner double lift like oh it's going to be amazing at the end bjergsen was essentially even on there he only went out of his way to cut all ties join the rival team that's been fucking him for the last like half a decade and then even sort of was saying all stuff yeah give, oh, up, can't his equity. give, give up his equity yeah, within tsm a company that is worth a lot of money again because of the blitz app because of their website network he gave that up 
to join Team Liquid. Like, what evidence do you guys need? Like, what more could possibly exist after everybody is just fucking done with TSM after this year? I will say, though, because I know this is where you can't help people and their naive optimism in institutions that have repeatedly failed them throughout their entire lives, Monty. The people who were actually going, well, it's all right, though, because Riot's doing an investigation into TSM. <laughs> That's why my joke was the banger, because I essentially stole it from, like, a Doug Stanhope joke where I just said, like, I'm amazed that Riot was able to put together the remaining members of the Warren Commission, because if people don't know, <laughs> that was the original government commission put together to investigate whether, J indeed, the... JFK. The fascination of John F. Kennedy was actually a conspiracy. And you're not going to believe this, guys. They figured out that it was all just exactly how the official story went. And then some of them, you know, sort of died. And then some maybe in suspicious circumstances exited public life. All sorts of, you know, great stuff. So all I'm saying is, like, we know what riot... Here's how riot investigations go. It's a floor chart. Do they like the person, right? If the answer's no, it could be Monte Cristo. If it's no, no evidence required. Just come to the conclusion you want anyway. Spoiler, this is not a legal courtroom. We're just right against putting on some sort of fucked up theatrics that we are a courtroom, investigating ourselves and our, our cronies. But if in fact, Monty, yes, we do like this person, then spoiler, just like when they investigated the conflict of interest between Lena, double lifting team, team Liquid, they could just choose to ignore primary evidence. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know what? The one thing we won't investigate is their relationship, which is like, that's the basis of the conflict of interest. We know. We very much know. And at the end, we'll go in big, bold text, like, the investigation found nothing. Like, asterisk so, and then, like, a whole bunch of fine print, like, like a fucking, what do you call it? Like, a David Foster Wallace novel or something down there, like, fucking hell. <laughs> so, uh, there are a couple of things that give me more confidence. First off, they actually did hire an independent body this time. Which is it's damn dead. New. You're not going to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like an investigative law firm, which which gives me which gives me hope because as I tweeted, you know, their gaggle of Inspector Clouseaus that have just completely bungled investigations or invented evidence in the in my case in the past, uh, you know, at least they're not the ones in charge of it. So that that's actually a good thing. And the By other way, you do notice, like I think they saw didn't some of their big names also leave TSM as all like Lena did like the Jerry Require or yeah. whatever. Like like who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? Like. Yep. But she actually got a couple. It wasn't just like that yep. one person. Yes. Got, it wasn't just Cuba Gooding Jr. or whatever, like in the movie, was it? So, and the second thing is that there there can't be too much of a cover-up this time because at least there is a, an interested third party involved yeah. in the LCS Players Association that does have new leadership as of last year. Okay. And I'm much more confident in this leadership than I am in the previous iterations of the LCSPA. There are some endemic people um, that are involved that I think it's it's probably going to turn out better because at least there's somebody who has an interest in protecting the players who is now involved, right? It's not Riot who has an interest in protecting TSM. It's not TSM that has an interest in protecting itself. It is the LCSPA and all of the players and that the 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 people within that kind of governing body that will be at least doing their have have, according to the article, uh, you know, undergone their own like investigation and certainly will have some sort of voice in this. So that gives me not a lot of hope, but more hope than I would have had otherwise. You say that, but I bet in like a month there'll just be a picture on Instagram tagged with like Reginald and the head of the NLPA or whatever, you know, like the fucking LCS Players Association just playing golf or something. Like, oh, no, Monty, the fix is in. Oh, they've done it again. They've done it again. No, then just, you know, Donald Trump, I mean, look, I, go for the next clue. I, I think the, the the end result of this 
is probably just going to be that he's going to get a slap on the wrist. Surely he's going to get a slap on the wrist. It's going to be something like Reginald can't interact with the League of Legends team anymore. He has to be isolated. Wait a minute, they're going to improve his team and actually give him a chance to have (laughs) a go at the World Championship level squad. That's that's hardly fair. What the fuck's that? That's like if people took over me and punished me by stop let stop let me tweet. Oh, my career's all succeeded and shit. Why? Why have you done that? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, like, I think that's probably going to be the end result of this. Of course, if I had of course it is. If what do you I think they're going to do? They're going to like drag him out before the crowd and fucking behead him, haven't they? I mean, There's they could. Thing. Remember, at the end of the day, people are forgetting this detail. He is their number one customer. He is the one who has bought an enormous franchise spot in their league. And spoiler, no matter what you think of Reginald, if it's the LCS, if it's dark times already with viewership, you just remove TSM or like any of their major figureheads and what makes the TSM like spirit esprit de corps, whatever. It's over, isn't it? Like the LCS can't survive on just Cloud9 and Team Liquid points. Come on. I, I actually think You need that- TSM, unfortunately. I actually don't think you do right now. I think that a lot of the TSM brand power was in Bjergsen, and I think this is the weakest TSM have ever been in terms of fan base. Yeah, uh, and so, like me, just seeing TSM, it's like the Patriots. You got to see them lose for a few look, seasons. They're, they're still a, they're <laughs> still a supernatural creature. They're still a vampire. Still but right now, yeah. the vampire is asleep in the coffin, and you have a chance to stake it right now. Okay. And if you if it, if if you know if dusk comes again, the vampire's going to come out. So I would just stake it while you can. That's all I'm going to say. I will say, to be fair, TSM fans on Reddit do talk very much like in the fucking. I'm thinking obviously the Francis Ford Coppola's you know bram stoker's dracula where they have that like, tom waits plays that character who's the ego character the master mm, the master will become that is the tsm fan you know in his true element in many ways imagine Reg- reginald will confer upon them tsm immortality because they just defended bjergsen or something like <laughs> they're, they're a wretched bunch there's still a lot of not there, the money we've got to, if this is the vampire scum we've got to absolutely stake the heart you know chop the head off silver gargoyle <laughs> everything everything yes <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i am interested we'll ha- we'll have another we'll have probably another four horsemen whatever the inevitable conclusion of this comes out there has to be some sort of public announcement at some point in time because the it's already leaked and again because i think that the players association's involvement is very crucial to all of this and so i don't know i don't have much more to say about this till some evidence comes out my personal take in if you guys want to watch it you go, you can go check out the the last episode of si we did with richard was on there where we discussed this i think our our collab based on what doublelift is saying before all of the investigation happened i think our collective view was that it wasn't that bad. I mean, yelling at people is not the end of the fucking world, right? I mean, I'll give you an example. One thing Richard said is he'd be very actually sort of reticent to use the term abusive because unfortunately yeah. in the modern climate, if someone just sees the headline, Reginald abusive, they're going to actually assume like sexual mis- misconduct yeah, yeah. or something. Whereas like that was never even implied, by the way. Like nobody has, uh, in fact, I'm also unaware of any private stories of anyone saying like that. So it's only basically being a dickhead. It's not like the Jack thing I told you about and the, off, the last year's thing. He wasn't beating anyone. He was just being an arsehole and he was being an arsehole in a way that like unfortunately if someone doesn't deal with it internally the only way to do it is to sort of try and air it publicly and hope that people come in and check what are the checks and balances who's in charge here is someone going over the line more behavioral i'll say yeah yeah so i mean i don't i think that people i think unfortunately the biggest takeaway to that article to me which was disappointing was that Anonymous sources were saying that they felt that if they confronted it or dealt with the abusive, abusive, right, the yelling at TSM in any way, that it would affect their ability to get jobs within other esports teams because 
you know, Reggie is so close to other owners. And I think there is truth to that. And I, to me, that's the biggest disappointing thing, because if you're in that situation and you don't want to deal with it, you can just leave. But if you, you, you literally can't stand up for yourself because it might hurt your career prospects across the entire industry. And that's fucking lame to me. That's yeah, really here's my problem with that, Monty. Yeah, if you are Acadian, Santorin, you know, uh, let me think who else, maybe, maybe Biofrost, you know, like you see the line I'm sort of making here. If you are, on the other hand, Bjergsen, double lift spoiler i'd say even people like hauntzer for a while i think you could have come out and said something if indeed you had any sort of axe to grind and here's the problem with all those limbs the only one so far who officially has done it is double lift so i would say this double lift at the time some of this was going on from salary was a millionaire from brand he was the they used to call him the protagonist of the fucking lcs and on top of that i believe i won't speak out school he's talked about it so far he's inferred like one time he told a story about how he lost someone almost stole like two hundred thousand dollars in crypto from him spoiler that was like five years ago now like where the fuck is he at now so my point is double lift as far as i could tell financially would not have been crippled by it so all i'll say is this double lift it's like what i said on a different show about the whole frost going claims about the lec where were you homie how come you're the one talking now like you're revealing new information you were the one who actually could have outed this and could have had the least blowback if Doublelift comes out three years ago whatever it was when he joined Team Liquid and just says in some interview or something you know now that I'm not in TSM especially now I'm very concerned about you know the culture that they've got in that team and the way that Reginald behaves towards people and you know I didn't want to say something while I was part of it blah 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 you could, you could see a million or privately reach out to journalists tell them the stories like that's the one thing that annoys me Monty this does just look cynically like he got a tap on the shoulder one day from Lena, not you know, stop streaming. I'm about to say all this private shit, and just just was told right now's your time to be paraded out and tell yes the truth, but finally the truth. Like what? Because that was the thing I didn't like about this Monty. I joked about fans acting like this was like new information. Doublelift acted like this was sort of new information. Like he acted as though he was some brave person coming forward. Like mate, you could have done this any time. Like what is this? Because because that's the problem. Like I say, come on, surely we're not going to pretend Bjergsen and Doublelift get like blacklisted from the LCS. And the, what they are like, I can't even join Golden Guard. Get out my face! They, they mean, would have been still in Team Liquid and whatnot, and cost it would. Thorin, the most egregious thing about this is that there are literally people who are working it, who were working in the LCS when this was going on, who had management positions, who are still working in the LCS, and this oh. investigation never happened over the years. Guys, it's not new people. There are many of the same people, and so to me, that's the that's the most fucked up part is that these people have ignored this for years and years and years and years and now it's now it's a problem and like that that standard at riot should tell you everything you need to know about the company want to talk about lcs lock-in let's do it <laughs> here's the thing monty the irony is colloquially nobody wants to talk about the lcs lock-in because you know why nobody watches the lcs lock-in and you know why there's nothing interesting about the LCS lock-in. It's a bunch of academy teams and players you don't know. It's a bunch of teams that have one or two key positions, like the best star foreign player isn't in the lineup. And then if you look at the squads that are actually playing as a result, is it going to actually have any kind of like a through line to the LCS? I, I can't see it. Like I genuinely look, 
I, I've got to start at the top, Monty. And this might sound controversial to some people, but I'm just going to say it. Right? When you made the LCS lock-in tournament, to me, the premise was we all know there aren't enough tournaments in, LC, in, in League of Legends. We all say it all the time. We all miss even those fucking off-season IEMs. Listen, they were never the best. They never had the best teams. But there would be the occasional that like you'd sometimes get to see TSM versus Unicorns of Love. Or you might see Cloud9 against the European team. Or maybe, you know, maybe if Origin comes over to the U.S. You know, there's a million little storylines you could have then maybe one Chinese or Korean team comes. I thought that was what a lock-in was going to be. And in fact, I even thought this is a clever idea, by the way, to match the LEC's viewership thing. Start with a tournament format. People much prefer tournament formats to league formats. In fact, this one's where you get a load of playing within a couple of weeks. You essentially get to try out all the new squads. Then you begin the LCS anew, but it's not like the normal LCS, like LEC, where week one it's like, oh, bloody hell, Vitality's terrible because they haven't ever played an official game, and now they've had a fight. No, you've got the whole lock-in, so you get it out of your system and it doesn't even count towards worlds so you can just have fun and you can do it in this creative environment it's basically the na demacia cup but it isn't because here's the problem monty like i said it's garbage for the teams in it people look like they don't have their heart in it and people are almost acting like oh spring split doesn't matter neither does the lock into well then what does matter so i have a question for you monty you're someone <laughs> in the industry a long time they're gonna claim because this is how corporate organizations do it COVID. nothing nothing we could do the bloody visas right if this had been counting towards the actual qualification it had been like the beginning of the real season etc you think some of these wouldn't have like you do that you make sure the deal's done two weeks earlier you start applying to say if this i think they would have moved heaven and earth to get some of these players here monty i'm just speculating but i, I find it suspicious how many there's just almost none of the big names That's i mean what the it feels like the attitude must be that they also don't want to reveal strats. Like basically, you know, they like you're saying they didn't move heaven and earth on the visas. I'm sure there is some truth to the COVID issues, but and the unpredictability that the pandemic has on on uh, you know getting visas right now. Well, I know, I I know personally. I know last year it was very difficult to get the P1 visas for for players, and the timing was kind of random. You also see some turns of events like green cards taking longer, which is what's affecting core core JJ on the, on the team liquid side. So I think there is some truth to that. Um, and maybe they made assumptions that they didn't have to create rosters or decisions so early on. Um, because they thought they could get these visas in time. I think there's also truth to the fact that nobody gives a fuck because it has no value. And the thing about it is like, I mean, there is value. The value is that you're getting the synergy of your roster together or you're experimenting with different lineups or, you know, I think in, in Cloud9 and Liquid's case, it it arguably has value as they kind of move through some of these other players, especially Cloud9, if they are serious, as LS has been saying and as the team has been saying about having kind of a 10-man system where they do a bunch of internal scrims with their academy team, then using their some of their academy players in, this, in these games does make sense for them, even though part of it is they just don't have the visas for a lot of their players at this point in time. The LS1 confuses me because... He's American, so I don't really know why he's not in the States right now. Maybe he's just coaching the players in Korea or helping them with that process over there. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think it's I think it's disappointing. Uh, if you here's here's my argument. Kespa Cup used to be fun because it would be the first kind of games played publicly by professional players on the new patch every year, right? It would be it would be played in like December. So you'd get the, the preseason patch out there and you get to see some of the best players in the world, even if they weren't playing super seriously, kind of give you a taste of what was going on within the League of Legends scene and what the upcoming year might look like and probably helped Riot balance, honestly, because it was professional games being played on these patches. Um, 
what's confusing to me is that if this is not going to mean anything, why don't you just play on the live patch, right? Why not, why not, like, why are you playing on old patches? Because what is, you have to ask yourself what the purpose of this tournament is. And if the purpose of this tournament is to prepare for the LCS split, why don't you play on the current live patch, right? Or a preview of the next patch if you can. Obviously, bugs can make that difficult uh, from a development perspective. But I, I would think that you would want to at least give the players practice on the patch that they might be playing, or at least a closer one in the first week. And it would at least generate some additional interest because it would be the same patch that the player, like the, their player base is playing on, which is unusual. So I, I could see at least an argument for that. But otherwise, I think LCS lock-in has been, I think there are some insights we can glean from it. And I think we'll we'll talk about those. But it's gone pretty much, I think, as most people predicted outside of the Dignitas upset over 100 Thieves. Um, but, and like EG's doing as well as I think most people expected coming in. But I, I guess it really does feel like what should be a hype tournament has been deflated by the lack of real rosters. And there hasn't been any really movement in order to make it more exciting again, such as playing on a live patch instead of an old patch. And I'm going to throw this out there as well. I know everyone is trying to do this thing. Like I saw that, that Oracle's Elixir guy did that piece where he was trying to like argue against double if about how you need to like develop talent. And it made people have this discussion where what they do is they compare as though it's the same region, China, Korea, Europe, and North America. And they act as though, right? They don't act as though there's like a few talents in NN you're not using. It. They act like you can just turn on the pipeline like those regions. Those regions have basically 10 times more talent than they have in the main league. That's why you can constantly bring rookies through. And even then, by the way, I think they bring way too many rookies through in LEC at the moment. And spoiler, I think they do it just to save money. I know from talking to some of yep. the old stars. So my I mean, issue look, with this... Reckless isn't an LC, LEC team right now. That's all you need no. to know. We'll talk about it with Yamato when he gets on. <laughs> but here's the thing that kills me. You, you don't have that luxury in LCS, no matter how much you try. Now, it's true. If you have real people like Danny who come through and they look good, yes, of course, give those people a chance. But my issue is this, right? And the league that already struggles to have an identity to have any sort of like established names of the last few years think how few players have come through and built like a star name even the ones who've been in top teams so my issue is this you can't afford an LCS to not have Jensen and Jizuki these are names you need these are people who are like you have an instant storyline if Jensen joins any team other than Team Liquid or Cloud9 like by the way even if he's in those teams you have a storyline but you know what I mean like if he goes to even one of the bad teams by the way it's game on for that team suddenly people are going to watch that team and think fucking hell this is interesting I can't wait to see them play Team Liquid. They, I, like to me, I get bringing through young players, but the, missing those names for me, I think it's just a, it's just. A, I mean, you're not even. Bad, it's just silly. What about just silly what about, what about Sven Skaren? What about what about Ignar? You I mean, know, the joke about, is you could make a team out of the players that aren't playing that's better than most of these lineups, could you? Yeah, you absolutely could. I mean, I think it's pretty crazy that a lot of these a lot of these people are not even in the league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty wild to me that Svenskeren, who is only a couple years removed from being a literal fucking MVP of a split, cannot have a team when it's not like he had a particularly bad season last year. Uh -huh. You know, it's not like you know, Gold Guardians has two import slots available. They're literally entirely NA and Oceana right now. Like there are opportunities to bring people in who would be you know, perfectly able to 
play in these teams and actually probably do better than a lot of the players that we're seeing. So it is confusing for sure. And I, I'm not saying that EG was wrong to get rid of Svenskeren because I, I don't believe that's true given the options that they had available and the fact that Inspired is doing excellently and is a better jungler than Svenskeren right now, especially if you play around his style, which I think EG is doing, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I, I think that other teams not even picking him up or seemingly looking at him is pretty crazy to me. And I'll just say, when I talked to some of the players of this caliber, they implied to me they thought it was money-related. That It wasn't that these teams really believed they'd found a better mid laner than these sorts of people or a better jungler. It was just that they thought, I'll save some money, and I can even... Here's the other angle. This is a very cynical angle, but it's the way teams operate. You can also claim, remember, even if they're cheap and they bomb the first split, you just go, I'm building for the future, and then you claim you're trying to keep them for two years, and next year's going to be the year or whatever. You can play that long con a long time. It's what if you, people don't know. In CSGO, it's what Astralis is doing if you keep your eye out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite the analogy that's going on right now. <laughs> um, I do I do think that you know we we can look at certain insights that we've gotten out of the lock in tournament and say that you know there's some things that we've seen that are worth getting excited about or concerned about. I guess if you're hundred thieves, like that one to me is is quite alarming. Uh, let's start with there's a lot of hype around jojo peon right now in the mid lane at four eg over the course of this lock-in tournament and i think that he has been very impressive uh for a brand new mid laner especially one who's kind of recently moved over to league of legends as a player 17 if people don't know yeah and he used to play fortnite um and so it's, uh, it's an interesting in his life there's <laughs> two black marks against him. Then I'm thinking some great straight fire pros coming in. So I will say I would I'm gonna say the following things. Um he's played some really different mid laners, which is an encouraging sign that looks like he has a diverse champion pool. You know, we've seen the Trindemir, we've we've seen the Lucian, uh, we've seen some some of the more control mages as well. So he seems comfortable in a lot of matchups. Now Obviously, overall, we've seen some really good performances from EG. I think that, you know, most people would assume it's going to be EG and Team Liquid in the finals. Uh, it seems like a pretty reasonable uh, reasonable way to go about things. Um, EG, you know, they haven't dropped a game yet, uh, including the victory that they had uh, over Team Liquid already. Now, whether that holds in a best of five is a different story. But I'm I'm going to I'm going to douse douse some enthusiasm that you may have for Jojo Pion for a minute by talking about all of the benefits that he has from this roster. And you have to consider these things. So when we look at the evolution of evil geniuses, so last year, Danny was mostly like alone in lane as Ignar roamed. Uh, he was pushing turrets while Jazuke was split pushing and causing a lot of pressure on the map and credit to evil geniuses and the coaching staff that, that, that style has changed like dramatically with this new roster. Um, I think what they're going for now is they've switched partially because of the meta, but we've certainly seen impact pick up a lot more weights on the carrying front, but crucially this is a team that is really activating Inspired's playstyle, and Inspired's playstyle, and therefore EG's playstyle, has changed from 
play around Jazuke's split push to play around Inspired's resource control and jungle pathing. And this has been the absolute strength of Inspired as a player is how smart he is at pathing and how he can really just maximize the, the amount of resources that are available to his team. Like, if you actually look at his stats for Locke... It's a very Korean style. That's what, that's what I think I would describe it as. I mean, he's great. Like, I really love him as a jungler, but his CS differential is... 10.2 at 10 minutes. The next closest is Xerxes at 3.3. It's yeah. fucking actually crazy. Um, and he is getting so much of the resources on the map. And honestly, EG as a team is getting so many of the resources on the map. They're getting 60% of the jungle creeps in an entire game right now. And they're getting 52% of the lane minions. So what it really is about EG is incredible efficiency at picking up gold on the map. And then on top of that, we have Impact playing carries. And on top of that, we have Danny playing a different style now in his second year of play, where he is actually getting a huge amount of the damage done on this roster. Jojo Pian actually doesn't take that much gold. He's a very low economy gold player right now. He, he's basically what Danny was last year, which is that he's a low economy, efficient player on the map. He is not the star of this team as it stands right now, and that could be an effect of the meta, but I think it's much more of an effect that they're relying on Inspired Impact and Danny in order to fill these roles, and that Jojo Pion is being actively propped up by these players, and that he's expected to play around their styles, and because of that, he is being successful. And there's nothing wrong with that, but let's just be clear that as of right now, as it stands right now, he is not necessarily going to be the star player on this team. They're not playing like it. You know, if we look at his damage percentage, he has the lowest damage percentage out of his team's damage of any mid laner in the league. And now that might be a problem, but he's also getting the second smallest gold percentage behind Abadage. So they're not feeding him resources. Let's be clear. His job is to enable the other players on this roster. And that's great. You know, that's great. No problem with that. But I think we do have to pump the brakes a little bit on whether Jojo Pian is going to be a centerpiece star mid laner of this team, because as of right now, that's just not how EG is playing. Yeah, the problem with that is obviously we'd need to have an episode with Peter Dunn to find out what was going on. Because I, I, what I'd heard was it was implied that this was like some guy Peter Dunn had had his eyes on for all these years, and it was key to bring him in. But I don't know if the intention was he was supposed to be the next, you know, Bjergsen. Or in this case, maybe even the logic is early on before you put him in those waters, you test him out by having him be more of a support development. I mean, it's the same thing with Danny, and I really respect the way. I really love the way that the EG coaching staff appears from at least my outside perspective to look at the game because they, when they bring in players like Danny, they don't play around them at the start. They make sure that they're set up for success and that they're slowly acclimating to roles. And it's this year that we're seeing Danny become more of a focal point for the team as opposed to last year where everybody was hyped about Danny because yes, he was playing well, but his job a lot of the time was to split push with Tristana and destroy turrets. Like if we're going to be real, like it wasn't, you know, or sit under tower during lane while Ignar and Jazuke did things on the map. Um, so I don't think that, I think Jojo Pian does, deserves a lot of credit because of how young he is, how confident he's playing, how well he is playing this role. But I think if you actually sit back and take a look at EG's playstyle, it's pretty clear that he is a supportive piece, at least at the moment.
So I like it. I like the build confidence over time as opposed to throw somebody directly into the deep end. I think it's a really good system that EG has. So that was one of my takeaways. There's one. Okay. Because <laughs> the problem is if people don't know, like, as you said, the big result so far is like 100 Thieves have already lost to Dignitas. And spoiler, if people aren't aware, because they're going to think Dignitas, they were not that bad last year. Listen, it didn't even that lineup. This is Dignitas where they brought in that guy, Blue, who beat, like, Dom even was saying it's going to be like the worst fucking import ever after Hachani. Like, people are super out on the Dignitas team. A lot of people don't believe in it at all. So the idea that you bring in the actual championship fucking squad. And then they just out already in the lock-in. That ain't a great look either. And by the way, I even feel bad for 100 Thieves. Now you look like a dickhead. You actually do field your real team. And then essentially, you're just, essentially, it's a lose-lose. You have to win the whole thing. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. And everyone would go, who cares? Anyway, you played Academy rosters. Or you field it and you lose anyway. And now you look like an idiot. Like, you can't win either way. Damned if you do. So I think <laughs> the thing with 100 Thieves is that we have to remember that, yes, they're the reigning champions. But that... That does not, if we put ourselves back into the start of the spring split playoffs last year, that was not the op opinion that anybody had, right? Oh, People no were one. looking and being like, oh man, look at Liquid or EG is probably the favorite given their really yes. strong end to summer. I think EG was kind of the, the usual favorite and people were thinking that, you know, frankly, it didn't look like 100 Thieves could even make it to Worlds. And I think that 100 Thieves... What was the most disappointing thing to me, Thorin, was that I don't think they've actually gotten better, which is disturbing because you have to remember that they spent a lot of December in the T1 facility in Korea boot camping. Yes. And to me, it still looks like they have the same exact problems that they had last year. And those problems are strong early game. Somewhat meta-dependent, because we can see that I think they're a lot worse when they're not playing, when who he isn't on some sort of in, like set engaged support, or they're not doing weird bot duos, which they have been very creative about. Um, and I think that if we if we look at this team, like maybe control mage enchanter metas are not their jam. And that's I think that's Same likely. Like <laughs> I think that's likely. And the question is, do they have the flexibility to learn that quickly? It doesn't appear so. Um, but the biggest problem is that their late game shot calling was always super questionable. Non-existent, some would say. <laughs> Non-existent, some look would at say. Just, they look like they were animals just moving on instinct, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> just it, responding it, to external stimuli. It just, it feels like closer <laughs> is the cinderella of this team in that he looks so beautiful before 15 20 minutes into the game but at 20 minutes he just turns into a fucking pumpkin and like that's a massive issue because you cannot like i think they were lucky to win their championship as it was but you're not going to set yourself up for reliable success by being so bad at shot calling around objectives in the mid and late game and what we see in the mid and late game I don't know what's going on in their comms, but it feels like they get too excited because they they will like win a fight and then instead of just going and getting the objective, they will just continue the fight until they lose. Like they will over pursue. And that's what happened in this Dignitas series and what is really deeply concerning that they haven't been able to like rein in these kind of uh, tendencies yet. And I just, at this point in time, I don't know how you do that without a roster swap. Like, it just feels like they need 
somebody in this roster to be the 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 kind of force that ropes them back in. And it's hard because you don't want to lose that really beautiful early advantage that they can gain. But something's got to give right now. And I'm not sure I'm not sure who you replace. I, I like I'm I'm not familiar with their comms in order to to make that switch. And I think the unfortunate position for Hundred Thieves is that they've had a really good development program. Uh, I think you can see that with people like Poom and Luger, who are now on on starting rosters uh, within the LCS. But maybe you bring Poom in instead of who he then. <laughs> but the problem is, is that bringing in a younger player doesn't necessarily give you the shot calling or veteran presence that you presence of mind that you need. And you would hope that someday would be this guy, but uh, apparently he just is not going to is it? Come on. So I guess really hard. And I think it's super hard because someday's a resident now and you can't really get rid of him. Unless you replace him with a new player, like a rookie. But it's, 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 I mean, no. this is something we could obviously draw the abstract out of and potentially discuss with the Amato Cannon later. But I'm personally someone who doesn't believe that you can totally radically change the whole like style of a team once they've played together enough time. Yeah. In my it's, opinion, once, once you've played like a good three to six months together, like the same core, same t especially the same five-man lineup, you probably have sort of just found what intuitively works. You've found a few angles that you go consciously in your practice towards. But realistically, like if you haven't made it work at that point, it's like trying to turn a steamboat, make it takes forever. You don't, it's not like you're actually better off as you say. As much as yes, people are going to say you're like quitting on the project. Like the chop and change gives you a chance to potentially instantly change it. Like you bring in the right sort of guy who, as you say, covers the weakness. Maybe in this scenario, it's just some like super shot calling jungler who has all his pathing down. It might even be worth losing like the skill of closer, for example. That's the problem. You're gonna have to take someone out this lineup, aren't you? That's why to me, who's the obvious one? I already thought it was like sort of you already it was found money anyway that somehow we could play a support and be half decent in this bot lane and they arguably were the best bot lane. But it wasn't gonna last forever, surely. Like he's the most obvious person to take out if you've got some NA player that can do it i mean closer does count as an import you could import a jungler uh instead of instead of closer right so that would that would certainly be an option i think who american good american supports are very hard to find and i think that fbi and who he have very good synergy again the question is whether they can play well in this meta and i'm not saying that it's it's not like Hundred Thieves not a playoff team. I think Hundred Thieves is still definitely a playoff team. I think that they can, especially in North America, they can win enough early games hard enough that they can do well. And in the right meta, they could potentially win another title with this roster. That's certainly on the table. I think it's a lot harder with the the teams that are going to be fielded by Cloud9 and um, and Liquid and Evil Geniuses. Um, but it's it might be possible. I just don't think you're ever going to re reach the level of dominance that you'd like to see if you're coming off of a championship season. And I think it's an outside shot for them to contend again with this roster. So it it's really just, are you happy with being top four, top five, or are you actually making a legitimate change to maybe go for number one with the downside that you may slip to like six or seventh? Right, any other teams that are actually exciting to you? Because as I say, unfortunately, a lot of them obviously don't have the full roster. Is there anything else that we should look for out of this, the results I, I, thus far? I think Liquid looks good, as expected. Bjergsen looks on form uh, coming into... I mean, we know he played a lot last year. I don't think this is any a surprise. He certainly kept up in terms of his solo queue playing, even while he was coaching. Um, Liquid hasn't even been able to field their full roster yet. Bwipo looks fine in the top lane, especially by NA standards. So... I, you know, any, they've even been able to win games with you know, Bradley up there in the top lane or whatever. 
So I, I think it's, I think Liquid at le- is at least doing this tournament right, where they're like switching things up. You know, maybe we'll put in, we'll we'll put in Bradley with Corin and Hansama, or you know, we'll add our you know different players from our academy roster. So it's been fun to watch them. I don't think they're taking this super seriously. Uh, CLG has looked, I guess, a little bit better than expected. Dignitas has obviously looked better than expected, going one and three in groups and then two owing hundred thieves. But I think that was honestly hundred thieves losing to themselves. But you have to be in, you have to be standing there to catch the game if you're Dignitas. And considering they have had virtually no time to practice together as a unit, as I understand, I think the the week off really served them well. I don't think they're going to be world beaters. I think Blue is performing better than expected. Neo is is still good. Like Neo is still a, a great player on this roster. Uh, let me go through the other ones real quick. Uh, C9, who knows? Can't read into that too much. They have what three people on that roster who we assume are not even going to be playing because they don't have their alleged supporting top AD or support player right yes. now, or their coach. Um, we don't know what that's going to look like at all. I anticipate that cloud nine is probably because their players haven't been able to play together that much are, most likely going to take some time to get into a groove, especially once LS gets there in person. It's going to set up an entirely different system. Going to take, you know, used. To, it's going to take a while for everybody to get used to each other. Rest of the rosters are kind of just a wash, I guess. Golden Guardians, you could say that Ryoma performed much better in lock-in than I think most people expected, and maybe he's finally starting to become a player that can be relied upon in the mid lane. Also, is a great meta for Ryoma. To be fair, this is the this is the meta you always wanted him in. Um, and a meta change could be about, you know, could could make them worse. TSM, I, again, hilarious that other teams with Academy players could actually get out of the group stage and they were bottom two. That just gave me a chuckle, but it's not really indicative of where they're going to be with their full roster. FlyQuest is kind of just, it's, it's again, like, it's a team that's going to be propped up and steal some wins based off of Aphromoo's experience in shot calling. Here's the thing, Monty, I'm going to say it just because no one else will. Here's the bad news. If when I'm looking at the rosters, I quickly check, is this an academy? Oh, it's a real roster. All right. If I, if I even have to say that, you, you did a fucking terrible job in the offseason. <laughs> shame on you. Shame on you. Because <laughs> there's a couple of teams out there. That's one of them, Monty. You could probably guess what the other ones are. There's a couple that look like they should just be in the academy roster, but that is the real main roster. And they actually, they're actually trying 100%, you know? I mean, I think I think Golden Guardians, if if you have to say that Ryoma is the best player on the team, even though Ryoma, I think, has had a good performance and has improved. And was the right now, yeah, you, you're not you're not doing it. Tony, Tony has just been dear God. He was he was abysmal. Like, I, I hate to, he was abysmal in those EG games. And I know it's tough to go against like a laner like impact with a decade of experience and a world championship and all these titles under his belt. But, oh my God, just the mechanical failures on this guy. Oh, it was, it was painful. It was, it was painful to watch. I feel, I feel bad for him. It could have been nerves, uh, but uh, golden guardians has been a pretty good judge of talent in the past. Um, but I, I, I think, it saddens me to see somebody again like Tony Top when if you need a native top laner, there are players like Alorim that are just 
there that you could use instead, right? And we saw Golden Guardians kind of kick It'll out be their top old school one solo. Notice he's yeah. still battling <laughs> yep. fucking in his yep. usual exile in the wilderness. He's and save people from now on or something. He like he's not allowed to be in starter from spring, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, is that well, what was? Is he just the bad boy? The LCS where you just wait until it's like it's like that fucking Loki meme from Avengers. He's just like you must be very desperate to come and ask me for my help. Like why is that? What why is that? What solo? He just always gets picked up like three weeks before the end of summer when someone's like, actually, I could do with a competent player who knows how to play some champions. And he goes, well, I know how to play a three. And then they go, that'll do. You can come in. <laughs> and then no matter how you do though get the fuck out of here don't ever darken our door again until <laughs> next year see you next year in the summer oh, again, you call yourself solo if you know anything about the power of names you fool it's a team <laughs> game you called yourself solo they may as well just say you know what solo there's no I in fucking team get get out and then you're just done aren't you so should have called yourself team player See, Tony yeah. Top, he's got it nailed. He, every time you see his name, you remember he's a top player. Because if you actually watch him play, you wouldn't actually be aware he knew how to play the top player. Yeah, and it's, I mean, Golden <laughs> Guardians, like, they're, them running them running their academy roster in here is just kind of, I guess they just want to get people involved, right? Um, but I just... I mean, it said they also had visa issues. Yeah, they have they have the visa issues, but again, it's like it's another disappointment. I guess they can be somewhat happy that they got as far as they did uh, within this tournament. But I mean, I, I like what's what's the point in doing this? It's again just another one of those things that totally kills the excitement that you might have for lock in. Because the sad thing is, like I say, it's not like it's not established. We already have the Demacia Cup, the Kesper Cup. Blah, blah. It's actually like it's an established format people understand elsewhere. And you actually look forward to it. Like if people don't know, Kesper Cup always, pretty much all, every single year was won by some team that definitely wasn't going to win LCK. But it was always interesting. Oh, that team's going to be one to watch out for. They've got a storyline established yeah. early, a little dark horse potential. There's always the big team, usually Rocks Tigers or fucking T1 that just fails inexplicably in the semifinals. Then you're like, mm, are they going to start the season slowly? That, that sets all the storylines up. I'm getting almost no storylines out of this. I've got a couple that you've given me here, but aside from that, like the actual tournament itself is a bit lackluster, isn't it? And like I say, mate, I, this should be an advantage LCS has over LEC. Now the joke is it looks like a disadvantage because you're sort of killing all the hype for your season. Well, it, it's it, unfortunately like the biggest takeaway is 100 Thieves looked kind of bad. And like, that's not what you want, right? And the other takeaway is like, wow, Team Liquid has some depth on their bench or... EG looks strong because they've been able to practice together and actually have a good system, but we don't, we're not actually seeing games against real rosters, so it's really hard to judge. So unfortunately, like you're saying, I think that almost all of the takeaways are kind of negative as a result. Even what, even the things that look good have so many asterisks behind them that it looks silly. There's so many asterisks, it looks like someone's trying to type their password in incorrectly. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. You ready? You ready to go you talk know, LEC you with your public, motto? You know when you go to like a public PC and you try to log in a Gmail, but because at home on Gmail, it just asks for the password. So it's asking now for your email or your login. You type in your password and now you have to literally buy that PC and destroy it in a fucking landfill <laughs> because you've just put your password that will now be auto-suggested as the name on a Gmail publicly. Now it's just over in it. Yeah, bring on me about our cannon. Bring <laughs> on. Bring out the amount right. cannon. <laughs> we'll take a break. See you guys in a couple. 
Right, we're back from the break. We're joined by you, Mark. That's right, I'm actually the host now. Monty got his confidence up, you know, a little bit of Dutch courage. Finally, he's ready to become the analyst he was before, before he abandoned all of us, me included, to go to Overwatch, where he did famously state, you know, this will be a game that destroys League of Legends. Because, no, they actually never said that, by the way, really. never said anything even vaguely approaching that. But he did obviously leave all the same. So, you know, like, you should never have gone out for those cigarettes at 2am. I'll never forgive you for that. But you're back now, whatever. I mean, you try, trying to make it work again with mom, whatever, just for Christmas and that. I've been ignoring it, letting it slide, you know. I will say that by, by leaving at 2am for those cigarettes that I made, like, you know, a lot of fucking money. So more money than I would have made in League of Legends. So but you know, in the end, Monty, rather than all those presents you bought me, I'd have liked it if my dad had just been there. That's all. I'd have liked it. it was the quality time with you I was looking for all money. Now here's the thing. Okay. I'm score. back now, so don't worry. One of the things about my hosting style people enjoy, right, is I don't fanny around with the big intro and the rest of it. Like I'll just say it like this, you might loads of people behind the scenes used to think you were a fake coach, that you were just essentially a mouth in a suit, that yeah, yeah, you sound good, but you don't know what you're talking about. Looks good. And, too. They, and they told me, Yamato, <laughs> for real, this is years ago, but you know, the voices, the chattering voices didn't quite stop. I'd say, no joke, until last year. I think last year in the summer split, I noticed those voices stopped talking shit. And all of a sudden, you had to be taken seriously. Now, here's the thing. As far as I can tell in the off-season, you must truly be the fucking snake charmer, mate. I don't know how you've got Sam Matthews to open up the vault and actually start shelling fucking money out. Like, there's doubloons coming out this motherfucker. We all thought that was barren. We thought they were just going the way the dinosaur, mate. All of a sudden, you've got all the superstars, all the... You've even got fucking Wonder actually plays half-decent. Now, what have you done here? What? What? Are you the reanimator? No, how have you brought no, 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 these no. corpses back to life? Come here's on. something you don't know, Thorin. Do you... You know, we know Yamato cannon comes from... Uh, comes from starcraft, starcraft right yeah. and you know that yamato was i think it was the flagship of the japanese fleet in world war ii it was an aircraft carrier but thorn do you know what the word yamato means in japanese no great harmony which is what he has brought to the roster see it all it all comes full circle right there you go. I don't need to answer anything. Just, you can just keep talking. I'll just, I'll just not. What do you think, though? Because here's the thing, Yamato. I know you're a fan of some of the, the more spoken sportsmen and managers and stuff. What do you think of this? I've noticed, actually, as you've had more success, it seems like, if anything, you've tried to be more humble. But there must be a part you sort of thinks, like, yeah, I've shot up a lot of haters with what I've done. Well, like, in some shape or form, it's it's kind of um, a blessing and a curse, but it's like the, the lack of satisfaction, you know, it's like, it's always the next thing, you know? It's like, I always look at, for example, this year, I already feel I'm working a lot harder than I did last year, because you kind of learn how to be more efficient, you realize what you need to do, what you gotta do, the hours you need to put in, so, like, I feel, I, I don't, I feel like this, what is this, this, this phrase that people always say, it's like, um, imposter syndrome always you know it's like sometimes i battle thoughts i just i feel like oh i don't belong where i am and i just have to, have to work harder because of it you know and that blessing that that blessing is also a curse and it just goes in, in vicious cycles so i don't don't feel like i can ever sit still you know it's like i'm i'm done now i'm of course chatting with my homies monty and thorin i'll take some time but <laughs> after I'm, I'm going to work on my presentation i'm going to set up for the players tomorrow you know it's just Jesus. never well, stops thank you, you. Thank you for taking it. No, it's my pleasure, really. Th thank you guys for Make some thoughts on that out. part, though. Because as I said, look, if this is the way the narrative was going around Fnatic, 
after the team failed with the lineup in spring last year, especially by the way, when you lose a talent like self made, obviously reckless was already out the door at this point in time. A lot of people thought actually that summer team is the gamble. If this Adam rookie guy doesn't work out, and if the Whipple role swap fails, the team doesn't make worlds. And at that point, the premise would be, do people even want to join Fnatic after that? Like, like I, at that point in time, if you freeze time, a load of people in the LCS, including but insiders tell you, there's no way a humanoid's going to go to that team. Yep. You know, you're not going to get these talents. So what's, can give us some thoughts. Has something changed in this behind the scenes? Have they doubled down in Fnatic? How did he get this incredible off season? I think that, like to to start uh, between spring and summer, definitely. You know, my sentiment and what I pushed for within Fnatic was, you know, if if we don't do well, like this is the only thing that uh, the only metric that players are going to judge by coming into the off season. So we need to do something drastic in order to at, at least have some kind of shape or form where our imagination takes us to a place where we go to the World Championship. We can't start off on the wrong foot. We just need to have, you know, we need to be bold somehow in our approach. And uh, naturally, like Whippo in the jungle was a very bold approach and it, he just was so in sync with what our bottling wanted to achieve. So we had just a, such a powerful unit in terms of, you know, just three players could, could drive the whole, like they were the engine of the team. Because usually like in, in my experience, most teams function around uh, very specific players and uh, and for us we got so far due to just specializing in one thing which is also once again a blessing and a curse a cliche i keep uh, repeating uh, like we were one dimensional but we were very very good at playing this one dimension and the idea was for me was if we are going to be have any argument at all in the off season we need to make sure that the bank is there and also that we have some kind of results and us having uh, upset and, and hilly uh, to to have as a, as a start that argument is super super good especially with the rumors of Hans Hammer going over to North America at the time we had the argument of we're going to have the strongest bot lane and this was just a good negotiation chip that I could just throw around right and at the same time a lot of other teams had like G2's failures was a blessing for us because for some reason the market for wonder sure he had opportunities but for me that's like super exciting like this is you know the best top player that has graced the game in my mind when it comes to western league of legends in terms of his peaks and uh, that was just a very very easy pickup because i can understand you know any player that was on that g2 roster they have bought like they've created enough credit for themselves that coming into the next year these are players you want to pick up yes. because you know, I was always a strong supporter of, of giving rookies chances, but in place for players that will never compete at the top, yes. but not in replacing players that are going to actively compete at the top, because that's what you want rookies to become. And that conversation I had to stir around, and then eventually we, we got here. Humanoid wanted a change of colors too, and uh, Ivan was also a no, a no contract with Misfits, so, you know, the stars just kind of aligned for us in the off-season, and, you know, it was... It, 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 we got pushed to the absolute end. You know, at one point, like... We didn't know if G2 was going to like uh, take a step back or and let us actually buy Wonder. So at one point we just we had the offer for Carburite. He declined it, and you know at one point we were like, "Oh shit, what the fuck is going to happen to us?" And then you know we came back and, and we managed to to snag Wonder. Wait a minute, so. wait a minute. If that had actually happened, I can't lie. Listen, the Wonder one's cool because obviously he might be able to revive his career. The Cabochard one that might be the fucking LEC exordium. Mate. That would be the shit if that happened. <laughs> That would be fire. It's, it's, it's like I was a fantastic player, you know. I think very few players would fit uh, in in such a role where I imagine them to be very adaptable, you know. 
I worked with Cabo, so that would be a big advantage. But at the same time, I worked with Wunder. That's also a big advantage. I knew exactly what, what was coming in through the door. It's just a mature version of, of, of the player that I worked with uh, five years ago. So, like, I couldn't be more happy with how uh, the offseason panned out, truly. Oh, and by the way, if, as if we needed to confirm, like, your infinity stones of fucking gift of the gab, you managed to convince G2 to sell a player to Fnatic. There you go. Is there anything you can't do at this point? Someone should just sign him to run LCS or something. You can do anything, man. Think about this. Think about this. So, like, obviously, (laughs) it's not only, like, the crazy move with Whippo and getting rid of self-made into summer and then somehow actually challenging for the title of the LEC, right, despite all of these changes, bringing in a new player like Adam. Then it's the world championship where, obviously, we're not going to get into it, you know, personal reasons and all that. Things went very badly for you guys for reasons that were outside of the game and outside of your control. And that really fucking sucked because a lot of people, including myself, were excited to see you guys at Worlds. And then coming off that experience, I think I'll just read into this. Uh, Based on what was said publicly, it seemed like Adam and Upset could no longer be able to trust each other as teammates any longer. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who knows? Who cares? The result is you can't be on a team together any longer. And so... Not only do you know you end up getting wonder, but you get humanoid. Who, by the way, if people don't know, humanoid has easily been the hottest mid lane prospect for teams around the world. So many of the LCS teams have tried to make offers on humanoid. They they've all been declined. Somehow, you guys actually are able to attract him out of all of the teams that I know that have been trying to get him on the roster. And then not only that, like you say, Razork, who was I think top three jungler in LEC last split ends up on your roster too. Like it's actually fucking amazing that in spite of all the roster changes, all the the drama that unfortunately went public and everything like that, you guys have put together this roster. And then now coming in, your games just look very clean, honestly, like real good. <laughs> yeah. So far, so good. Like I like sure there's mistakes that's gonna happen right at the beginning of spring split but generally speaking I, I like with with our current position 5-0 3-2 whatever i don't really think about i think too much about the scoreline like i've i've had enough times where i've got excited about the scoreline in the past and had have had that you know be my my own doom so it's just um it's like the the process of what we're doing in the day-to-day is looking good you know how Everyone's engaging in the conversation. How we're improving as a group because we have so much experience. Like we have, we have players from from the goated rosters. You know, over the span of the last few years, we have Wonder from G2, of course. Hilly was playing in the 2018 Fnatic. They went to the World Finals. Uh, we have, uh, of course, Marek that played. Uh, you know, time and time again, you know, last year he beat us and, you know, we just have such a wealth of experience and at the same time, uh, very little ego in the room uh, in the sense that. People understand that there's multiple ways of doing the same thing, and sometimes it goes a long way to just go along on someone else's journey. And uh, we've struck a nice balance where, you know, uh, people are engaging in the conversation in terms of how we want to play the game, but people at the same time are good at giving each other space. So I feel like right now we are working on how to make scrim practice more and more efficient, and in the end, uh, this is going to be the most rewarding thing. But so far, so good. You know, we've had uh, some conflict, but always we come out of it. 
looking good and uh, I just feel like that that experience carries uh, so much weight and I make sure to, to to press the right buttons to make sure that experience shows up in the room just ask the right question provoke the right things out of people and and things will be good because that's the only thing I need to do you know with players of this caliber so we just got an announcement I don't know if you saw this Yamato like literally five minutes ago uh, the Chemtech Drake has been removed from the game <laughs> really <laughs> i'm not fucking with you they literally are doing like a 12.2 mid patch they're disabling the chemtech drake <laughs> for what reason is it bugged or is it like ah fuck it <laughs> i think it's ah fuck it okay so i mean i'm i'm impressed because i didn't think this would happen Oh. Uh, but I am pleased. <laughs> I am <Okay>. pleased. <laughs> I, I, maybe they'll rework it and introduce <laughs> it later. Um, but I am super happy that we're not going to get that much actual competitive esports play with that in the game. Right, Yamato, I've got to ask you this question, right? One thing I hate about when people are in teams and they do the PR side is yeah. it's a famous thing in League of Legends. They try to downplay the expectations because they don't want the players to feel, oh, pressure and that. Like, here's the thing, mate. I'm sorry, in your team, you don't have any rookies, mate. You have people who are all established. They've yeah, we all need to win. Won. Yeah, basically, realistically, this line is supposed to win the splits, right? It's supposed to be the number one Western team. No, for sure. Like, for me, I like... Uh, we if if we don't win titles like i have failed that's how i'll view it there's no other way to view it you know like with this roster i feel like on paper we're the strongest i understand you know the moment uh, perks touches a roster that's going to be the super roster uh, and that's what uh, people are going to look at because you know perks has that charisma about him but uh, we have on on paper in my opinion the roster that should win it all and then to bounce back on the Chemtech Drake, I'm I'm curious about about the reason. I'm really curious about if it's a bug or if it's just uh, okay. Investing it, it turns out right. Reginald actually invented the Chemtech Drake. So this is the first <laughs> of the steps of penance. They're gonna take it back, apologize. You know, <laughs> that's how toxic he is. I mean, he actually invented I mean, the Chemtech Drake. Are you are you upset that it's removed? Like it, it could be gone forever, as far as I'm concerned, and that's that's just wonderful. Honestly, I, I didn't mind it too much. Uh, it, it, like, I, I understand that it removes, you know, uh, an important nuance to how you can play, like, the defensive play. But in my opinion, it also just... If, if you go a couple of layers deeper, you could just be the one sitting in the Chemtech uh, fog uh, first, even if you're being the defensive side. So I think there was, like, layers to it that you could peel away. But due to the fact that it's such a rare occurrence and we don't have any functional way of practicing it, which is so stupid. Like we could we could do 40 scrim games, never see Chemtech Soul, yeah. and then all of a sudden we're on stage and then there's Chemtech Soul uh. and 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 all of a sudden, you know, it's like well, what are we doing? <laughs> Look, I'm with you that it's okay as long as they show Drake spawn order in Champion Select, which has been something yeah. I have been talking about since Elemental Drakes were introduced, so that you could, first off, like you're saying, why can't you practice with it? I mean, there's a lot of issues with practicing in League of Legends, <laughs> right? But sure, yes. why can't you practice with it would be number one complaint. Number two complaint is, even if you don't practice with it, you could at least potentially design strategies for it because it's so unique. Yeah. As long as you knew it was coming, the problem is, is that it 
the now that they have added two more drakes, it just fucks it up even more that you cannot draft around these circumstances. And by the way, guys, I've talked to people at Riot who have straight up told me that it isn't an engineering problem. This is absolutely possible for them to do. They just won't fucking do it. Okay. So do they have a reason that goes the other way as to what, like, do they think it adds spontaneity or something? What was their reason that's good? I, I don't know. That's <laughs> like, to be very I, I think, I think, so here's, here's the thing about game developers is that when, because they, this is, this is the hot, this is like the, the, the game that all game developers play with the professional scene, which is that because they have to balance the game a lot of times for a casual fan base, which totally makes sense. What they'll say is, Adaptability is a hallmark of the esports scene where we prize, like when we're testing, the test of competitive play over the long term is adaptability, which is obviously garbage for games that hardly change at all, like Counter Strike or Brood oh, War, which are the two greatest esports of all time, hands down, because they don't require adaptability and you actually get to see distinct players with very, very unique styles playing the game, which in my mind is much more satisfying than watching some dude who's like, okay at everything. So partially that, but the, also just as a side note, if you're testing for adaptability, then your competitive systems must also test for adaptability. You know what doesn't test for adaptability? Fucking best of one and single elimination. You cannot say it yes. is illegal. It is fucking illegal to say you are testing for adaptability and then design competitive structures that do not also test for adaptability. Fuck you. So anyway, that aside, I think that if you had the spawn order of the Drakes and you could actually account for it, that's one thing. But in the absence of that, because it's so different than every other of the Drakes in the game, you can't you can't do it. You can't have it in the game. No, for sure. I, 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 my issue is is the vari variance, right? Anything in a competitive game that creates any level of variance is is counterintuitive, in in my opinion, right? It's like how how they've, how they've managed to figure out the crit issue. I like that because it limits the variance in some sense, but at the same time, crit inherently. Like, you don't want it to come down to luck. It's like, oh, the enemy team killed the second Drake. Oh, the, the soul is cloud, and all of a sudden their, their hard work doesn't matter, or in some cases we're stronger or worse. Like, this this variance part of it is, is a bit silly. And, uh, you know, I remember, for example, our game against Astralis, right? We They had massive bounties, and... They, I, I believe the design, from what I have perceived from my anecdotal evidence, is that the weight of dragons is way too heavy skewed in, t in the contrast of gold. And it looks like drakes are worth around 2,000 to 2.5k gold, which makes absolutely no sense with some of the stats that you get from some of these shitty-ass drakes. And... And I remember that game, we were like three, four K goal ahead. And then we had three Drakes ahead of them. And then they had like all these objective bounties. And then uh, they got to like make some minor comebacks due to some of the slip-ups that we made. Sure, we could play better. But that variance, if it was great Dragons, okay. But the, the value of the Drakes differs. The value of champions on maps also differs, creates additional variance, which yep. I'm not too big of a fan of. 
You know? yeah. I want to ask you this, actually, Yamato. You're someone where if people listen to your kind of philosophy of the game over the last few years. I would think you're somewhat at odds with sort of the design path we've gone down here, where if you've seen, like, right at the last few years, has essentially just told teams how you're going to play the game. You're going to group and team fight around these dragons. If you don't, in fact, at certain points, team fight, you literally lose the game. They get the mechanic that makes them win the game after one successful team wipe. So, in the, like, what have, what have your thoughts been the last few years? Like, has it been a bit more limited, like, your options as a coach? Because you coached for many, many years, going back into very different matters, obviously. I think looking back, back at the like most recent years, I don't feel like the, the the New Year season patches have been, you know, controversial enough to stir up any new thoughts. Like we had the, the item upgrades, which shifted around the meta a little bit, but the idea of the game was the same. It's like you can still go back to... Uh, like Damon winning worlds and still learn and apply a lot of those ideas today. Sure, you can go further back and still do that, but the, the changes that occurred between the seasons were always a lot more grand and like yes. there was the, the last big one is probably like the so keystone, keystone runes was probably the last yeah, major yeah, shift. Yeah, like the keystones, right? And and I, I don't remember the order of the specific, but there was like one time they added plants, which I just added another layer to yes. the game. And yeah. like anything that's new for me personally is very exciting because uh, this is what keeps the, keeps the game fresh for me, right? And I understand that uh, you know I, we are playing under the same circumstances as our opposition so we're just playing the game and we're trying to play the same game better than the enemy right so uh, whatever changes come my way I'm, I'm, I'm fine and happy with it but I feel like the last couple of years the the meta of, of how you play the macro game it's been fine-tuned but it's been relatively the same uh, it's like how you set up your rift herald how you set up the drakes and uh, and then uh, it's it just the patterns of the games have, have looked quite similar. And um, I was hoping that maybe with the changes to the outer towers, with the gold changes and the implementation of some items, some split push mm -hmm. items here and there with the hull breaker, I thought it would change, but it's it's so... It has changed a little it. bit. I think like the gold yeah. stuff has changed. I mean, it certainly has changed Herald priority and it did before, you know, yes, yes. Worlds last, like Worlds was much more Herald priority and we saw it late in the summer splits across regions last year. So I guess it, uh, for me, it does feel like it's changed slightly, but I agree. I mean, the, the biggest change is honestly now that Chemcheck Drake is gone because Hextech Drake is like, I, I think it's fun. Um, I yeah, like yeah. it. Um, but, I would say like uh, the TP change, right? The TP change. TP change. That, that was an and interesting, right? Rubber band mechanics, gold bounties, right? These are the two big yeah. changes that we've seen uh, come in. And TP change is fucking massive, actually. I think mean, that's a good change, though. I like it. I like the idea you couldn't do the cancel, dude. I don't know. Yeah, I'm yeah. still, I'm, I'm watching these games and I'm still like, I'm like 50 50 on it because I see some. I see some instances where uh, it, it, it's opened up bot lane a lot, is what I'll say. Like, I, you know, you look at the priority on Caitlyn right now, and Caitlyn offers so much to this game that was kind of, I would guess, less less accessible before uh, because of the TP prevalence that could happen from the mid and top laners into the bot lane, because her intention is to shove up very deep into the lane and apply pressure. And not only that, but in the mid and late game, her traps are just oppressive for professional teams around objectives. They are so good um, when it comes to setting up for for dragons or for barons um, that she's just super strong right now. And that's I would say that's mostly a result of the the teleport changes allowing people to play more aggressively. 
Um, Think about so, last year, the way it was going at the end of last year, ADC was just never going to be a relevant fucking role again, mate. It would always just be like the king of the cleanup fucking roles. And it was never going to, you'd never, the joke is, you know, everyone was hyped in the offseason that Uzi Eye is coming back. Spoiler, it wouldn't matter if Uzi Eye came back. Like, you couldn't play like Uzi Eye, could he? Like, you couldn't build a team around him in the meta we had last year. Like, it would just be irrelevant. You wouldn't be able to win. Am I wrong? What do you think you're about? I had to think back what I mean, we you had. had the best spot lane, arguably. And it was, you know, even for you guys, it was tough, right? I believe that with how a lot of the fights were structured around mid and how impactful TPs were around bot, it definitely was harder to be like the most impactful point. Because usually if you're a stronger bot, the, the purpose of it was to enable your support to just impact the whole map and just yes. be first everywhere, right? Yeah. With the way we played, we just tried to squeeze water from stone oh, and we knew we would eventually hit a wall, right? Like when we when we played, when we scrimmed against like the, the stronger bot lanes, like the EDG's bot lane, then all of a sudden we, we met our match we're playing against a bot lane that can actually lane and we wouldn't be able to squeeze water from stone and all of these other elements would come into play and all of a sudden... Uh, the ADK role wouldn't be as impactful as we could make it over here in, in, in Europe. But um, definitely, I, I think that there were roles that were far more impactful last year. I believe like mid, jungle, support were just like the engines of what was happening in the game. And then top lane and ADK had to adjust to whatever these three other roles were, you know, presenting to them. And, and sure, individual gaps happen, but that has nothing to do with the theory of the game, right? So I, I, I would be inclined to agree. It's just a question of how much better are you than someone else? Yes. I think Viper was was phenomenal, right? He, he was definitely like a, a step ahead of everyone else. But when you think of the role as a whole, then definitely it would be like, you would have to be so much fucking better than everyone that, to, to stand out that it would be a little bit too hard uh, for, for AD Carry to have like more impact than like the enemy mid being stronger than your mid laner, right? So I, I, I agree. I, I think it's just like, it's it's changed the game so much too, because the, I mean, there, were, there were always times where you could TP bot, get a few kills, and then it, it changed the bot meta. Like we're seeing a lot of support diversity right now that I don't think we would see if the TP, if you could still TP onto, you know, a minion wave prior to 14 minutes into the game. Um, just because like there's too much, th these champions are too squishy or whatever. They're designed to be poke champions that win lane gradually over time or help clear minion waves in order to push uh, primarily. So I think it's allowing us to see more bot lane diversity and supports. I don't think it's allowing us to see a lot of AD carry diversity because what's being prioritized now are AD carries that either shove very aggressively in the early game uh, or who provide like very strong zoning or tower, like tower pushing abilities, like Jinx Chompers, Caitlyn Traps. I mean, these are things that have just in immense value in the late game, but the problem was getting them through laning phase before they got TP'd on and just died, right? Um, so I, I think... I think it's it's kind of a, a give or take here on that front. And I also think it's limiting the mid pool uh, just because if you can't TP, you have to rely on, I don't know, being Twisted Fate or pushing your lane, like having a high amount of wave clear in, in, in order to roam or having semi globals or long range engages like champions like Corky with package or Vex, uh, for example, in order to affect the map. Because the thing about professional play is that map movement and movement speed is always going to be king at the professional level. 
always. You either have to nerf those champions into the ground so they're completely unviable, or they start to take over. And I mean, we've seen this time and time again in, in metas. And it's, I think, we'll see how it develops, but I think the TP changes uh, have limited some of the other rules. But you see a lot more carry tops now too. So, you know, it's, it's give and take. And now obviously Rise uses even more OP. So there you go. Yeah. For all, sure. all bow to rise, which we almost apparently. It's, it's, it's the way that that used to even be. You remember this dude? You used to be a top laner back in the day. You remember back when it used to be presented by the mid laners that it was just like some conspiracy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, ADC top laner mid are all like equally good roles. It's about the skill of the player, bro. It's like that argument ended about like seven years ago. It's just been mid the whole time, hasn't it? Like, every now and then, if you're lucky as a top laner, you might get a carry meta. ADC out has barely had any for years and years and years. It just occasionally has a broken champion like a Phineos. It's just been mid lane the whole time like the game's just the joke is mid lane just is the protagonist of the fucking league of legends team at best at this point adc is like the wacky friend like kramer who just busts in the door at one point and you just enjoy him for five minutes that's it isn't it you didn't get to play the whole episode for fuck's sake i'm not even on camera bjergsen's just still here then double sight in another room going when's my cue what when do i hit my spot I remember back in season two when, like, I'm playing top lane. I'm like level 12 in the game. I pan over to mid lane. Froggen over there, level 16. He took every raptor, every wolf on the map. Yes. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with my champ? It's like, I'm hoping that my mid lane is a bit higher level. Or yes. use XP Quints. And it was just like a, a battle of who could funnel their mid laner better. And then it's like, uh, season three, the world championship was like, who could who could gravitate towards mid and just find action on mid? Whatever spare time you have, just go towards mid. It's like I'm, I, I was rewatching some of the like like SKT games of of yes. them playing in in, in spring. Oh, and so mental, it? it was just a, it was just a question of who could who could just walk towards mid. Whenever you have free time, free time. You have a break? Okay, go towards mid. Just go towards mid. And that that theory has remained very similar. It's like the most central point of the map. It, it The wave crashes the earliest. You have access to to everything. You have mid prior. You can choose. And that, that choice can always be the right one if you're good. So it's like, I, I feel like that's a, just a fundamental part of the game. And as, as long as they don't like drastically change how the map looks that's always going to be true i, th I think mid lane is is always the most important and i think it's always evident with the teams that actually win championships in the end right it's like who's the mid laner that's standing there and uh, it's it's always you know great players while in other roles maybe you can get away with having someone yes, that is like uh, you can win worlds like, with Gingu or whatever this, yeah exactly this guy won this guy won yes. a split holy shit yes, exactly okay I I mean, it's it's just a, it's the same shit in like the NFL, right? Like you're just not going to get very far without having a strong quarterback because they're where they're the focus of play. And when mid lane basically controls priority over the objectives and can help gank the other side lanes, it's just unavoidable. You're in the center of the action, and like it's it's imperative to have that player. You know, that's even a point I figured out a few years ago that other people don't think about. You know, when people compare the eras, but without the context of the meta and where the game was, they talk like, you know, like, for example, in the West, obviously, you would compare like Prime Bjergsen with Caps, with Perks, whatever. Here's the one angle they don't get on that one, Yamato. The reason why nobody will ever look like Season 3 Faker is because no matter who you are, there is no access to Deathfire Grasp Ari, which is probably the most broken shit of all time. Like, think about what the old kit was and Deathfire Grasp. <laughs> and, 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 and like you said, 
say you've had all the resources funneled into you the whole game. The joke is like the second one of those gets let loose. You're like fucking Jason in like Friday the Th- You're just popping up behind motherfuckers, just deleting them from the game. Like every other person just running like it's like Jurassic Park with the T Rex get, get up, get up. Like, now you've just got a normal chat. They got like Oriana's with normal things. It, it, was, it was more like, like Jurassic Park and the Velociraptor just coming from the jungle behind you when you didn't even see it. You just instantly die. Just comes in from the blog just sails in from fog of war and just one shots you exactly good times i got at one point in season two i I realized my role is so useless i was like i told my bottling just go top screw with the guy i'll pick something that survives i'll buy i'll buy 14 potions and i'll just try to to cheese my way to being useful and that's that's how important my role was (laughs) yada 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 now he's the culture fanatic yeah. yeah. Like yes. eight years later, <laughs> so, so Yamato, what do you what do you think about these TP changes? Because these are like massively consequential at the professional level. I I like them a lot. I, I think you can get away with a lot less in terms of individual play, like in terms of how you manage your lane, in terms of how you manage your bot lane as well. There's no like cheat code that you always have to think about and then hope that sometimes they forget. You place a cheeky ward that doesn't get swept and then you TP and all of a sudden you 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 win a game that was inherently was supposed to be lost. Sure, in some shape or form, it's 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 cool to have that element of, of, of play where um, you activate team play from such an early point in the game but in same some shape or form it, it already is right like you you gain information let's say i push bot i place a ward under golems i'll have information for the whole map so in, in some shape or form of course everything's connected but i like that that expression of individual skill i think it shows a lot more uh, when there is no tp coming behind you to just crack you in the head uh, like uh, how you lane top how you lane mid how you lane bot is a lot more relevant and I-, I like that a lot because i feel like that part of the game is fading away more and more with time as people understand how to be more efficient with their time and so forth and how to squeeze you know uh, everything out so i'm very happy that that, that players like for example my bot lane gets to actively play the 2v2 and the 3v3 <laughs> with jungle and they get to like push and like wonder gets to play an isolated lane they only use the tp to get back like like it's so boring when you play like you play top lane and then like you're winning and then the guy bases and he's completely screwed tp's bot gets three kills comes top and he's like you see his like smirk you know he thinks he's really good at the game but in reality <laughs> there was just a grief opportunity that opened up so i i, I like the fact that for post 14 minutes the macro game remains the same and tp remains the yep, same i like that too and, and and it allows for some you know exploration of diversity of summoner spells like you play ignite you can play like no flash you can play flash ghost there's a lot of things that you can do with it and uh, I'm, I'm i'm i welcome this type of change i like this type of change i also like the fact you know because i'm a jungler enthusiast like the jungle mind games are much cooler i think pre 14 minutes now because you can't just have the like get out of jail free card where you call in all your TPs to like fix your fuck up or whatever right or like engage in some giant fiesta in the bot lane and also I think it's been interesting to watch so many engaged junglers be played which I think I'm curious why you think this is but I think it, it must partially it's I mean clear speeds and everything like that but it's also the enchanters in the bot lane really enable a lot of these engage junglers right like if you have a lulu or you have a karma it's a lot easier for you to get in and have high survivability 
as a jungler if you're Diana or Jarvin or Lee Sin or any of these picks? I feel like the, the, the formula for jungle has, has remained the same for so long, right? It's like champions that can clear quick, fight level three, four, mm -hmm. five, six, seven. And then, you know, the, the, the champions around them change, they come and go, whether it's Leona, Tristana, <laughs> Lux, Lulu, Kate, Karma, they come and go, but the champions remain the same. I remember back in the day, we had maybe three seasons of only Elise, Gragas, Leeson, no other jungler ex existed. Sometimes, sometimes Rexa showed up. And I feel like right now it's kind of similar way, right? It's like Zinzao, Leeson, then Diana showing up every now and then. These champs, function almost under any circumstances and it, with the champions you mentioned the lulu and the karma they're very happy to have them they're very happy to have a leona nautilus they're just like so meta proof because their clear speed is good their itemization is really good since the yep. mythic rework gore drinker they're like gore drinker sterax is probably like the most purchased item of all time when it comes to like the average of what you see when you're playing like looking at the pro game so I think it's just a question of these champions just fitting that niche perfect that they don't have any uh, specific timing where there's a massive power. The, the clear speed is good. Uh, yep. They fight a level three good. They contest on level five or on mid when like 530 wave when, when, when mid laners are contesting for six good. There's never like a really power dip where you have to wait for something specific. I feel like that part of the jungle has almost been filtered out. There's very rarely where someone's playing a jungler where they're like, oh, I need to farm to level six to be useful when that was like a very common trend in the past. And now it's just about just, just have a champ that bases on pickaxe of the first clear and make sure that uh, you're there when your bot pushes all the way. Yeah? That's fair Pretty enough. Much. That's fair enough. I, I also though, you know, we do have engaged supports in the meta, but with fewer engaged supports being played overall, that and more carry top laners, that role, the engage role is being shifted to jungle as well, I feel. No for Probably sure. a bit annoying if you had Hillasang on your team. You know, a guy who basically is engage. Not just it. Like, you know, Hillisang's his alternate identity. Engaging is the, the first thing he does in life. You know, you are what you do in life, Monty. It was such a tough thing last year, guys. Like, I was, I was trying to teach the concept last year of, guys, if we are outranging them, the enemy must engage onto us. Hillisang was like, <laughs> you know that famous gift for the guy, like the universe exploded in his brain, onto to us. We have poke advantage. I know. I remember this presentation <laughs> I made. I was like, any ability that is good for engaging is probably better if the enemy is running into you. Horn, horn. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like, any ability in the game is better if the enemy is running into you. And I was like, I remember so many arguments. Did, did, you, like, did you just just show talk to Hillisang? You're like, look, Hillisang, peeling, a, an ability to engage is twice as good when used for peeling every time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I remember these conversations. It was like, like, like Whippo and Hilly as players. They are so good at finding opportunities. They just want to squeeze water from stone. And I'm like, guys, you don't need to squeeze water from stone. There's a whole river right there. You just pick up a cup and drink. You know, it's like so often we contested the midwave. The enemy team is backing up, and then it's like Whippo saw some cyanold, and then he like explains, you know, this whole science project to me. He's like, yo, if this we played this good, and my teammate didn't grief, and he may hit the spell. If we played this correctly, mechanically good, then this would have been beautiful. And I'm like, but. If we just stepped into the river and they had to fetch a cuss, you know, what would have happened? We will never know because we are just taking every opportunity that comes, you know? <laughs> Do you feel like that's something he, he improved on heading into this year? Do you still fight that battle? Well, I, I think it's easier because I think 
sometimes um, you know players uh, tend to mold into uh, the character that they believe this alteration of a roster requires in order to win games. And for example, last year, if Hilly and Whipple didn't take that charge, nothing would happen. But this year, there is that trust and reliance on, like, for example, how we play side lane, the opportunities Wunder's going to find, the opportunity Marek's going to find. You know, there's a lot more trust and you don't feel forced to actively engage and find opportunities because often what occurred last year was someone had flashed down and let's say Hilly was playing Morgana. It's like, okay, I'm playing Morgana. No one's uh, punishing this guy's flash. Five minutes, we didn't do anything. And that can be like, yo, if we don't use this opportunity, we're going to lose the game. And then it turned into like Morgana flash queuing to try to engage, with, which feels kind of counterintuitive with what Morgana wants to achieve. So it's always like that with players, right? When, it, when they are in a specific team, for example, if we look back at um, 2020 roster when they played with Nemesis and, and, and Selfmade and, 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 and Reckless, uh, they felt like in this particular roster they needed to do specific things in order for them to win and uh, like i've had this conversation many times it's like a concept of mine it's the same where i remember last year people saying oh jizuki is just inting but this is jizuki thinking he needs to achieve certain yes. things in order to win with the roster that he has it was the same yes. thing when he had, before he had danny right it's like you need to overperform in order to win and if you don't uh, then it's not good enough. It was the same thing for us. Like we were playing bot in a way, we were trying to get everything. Like my bot lane was forced to play at what, 120%. They were trying to, they were forced to take risks that necessarily aren't good in the long term, but they had to play for those and try to squeeze water from stone just because that is the context of our team, right? So now in the current alteration, it's like we're playing a lot of Zillion. Hilly is still engaging, but. Uh, there's a lot more freedom due to the, the 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 power of players that you have, right? It's like if if you are playing in a in a team where you can reliably think, yo, I'm not doing so hot right now, but I got homies that are gonna back me up. That that opens up for so much more depth in terms of what your play can and can't do, and allows you to strive for higher highs. Do I talk about some of the other teams in the LEC? Because I'm oh. I'm deeply curious about having worked with Selfmade, what your thoughts on the his move over to Vitality and that new roster is. Because people are going to be very interested in their 03 start, followed by much better games this week. I think we obviously expect this team to be dangerous in the long run. Mm. I, I think uh, Oscar is a very talented player. Uh, I think sometimes... You know, his, his weakness and strength is that he goes off of intuition and feeling often. So, so his input and idea of, of, of what he needs to do in a game can change uh, between days, honestly. And um, in, in terms of his highs, I think he has the potential to be like one of the best junglers uh, for sure. Like mechanically, he's fantastic, very good mind for how to path, and uh, he's, a, he's a good player to, to, to keep. Right? In the context of us, uh, like last year, why we decided to move in a different direction was because like, like Hilly and Selfmade, they were just thinking very, very different about the game. And they tried to like um, go in the direction of leaning towards the other guy's play style or leading to the other play style. And we couldn't really find a balance and we weren't ready uh, to risk Summer uh, trying that again because some issues, you know, sometimes you have a dynamic 
and it has run its course for so long that some of the habits and uh, the things that you do are just too deep and it becomes too much of a strain to try to uproot that and, and start over, right? It's the same with, for example, like Reckless joining G2. He joined a team that already had a lot of habits and the function of what they did and some of the things that they can't uproot were already in place. And Reckless joined that environment and then all of the problems from maybe previous years were still a part of what they tried to do in that moment. And it's not necessarily that there's a problem with a specific player, it's just an environment where players have been viewed, viewed in a certain light, a certain way, for so long that it becomes almost impossible to change. And this was the case, I feel, for our transition between spring and summer. I knew Selfman is going to be a great jungler, but in our team, it made more sense to go in the direction of Whipple. So like him, in the context of Vitality, I think he's, he's a good jungler to have. Vitality should be happy to have him. I think in that roster, I think he, he fits. And it's always an opportunity to, to reinvent yourself. Some of your bad habits, some of the things that maybe you didn't do so good in previous years, you have an opportunity to reinvent yourself. Because always, when you join a new team, you need to find your, your ground again. And then all of that luggage from the past that weighs over because you know, frustrations build, and if you work together with someone for two years, you begin to have expectations, you begin to have biases, and I think uh, it, it was just the right move for Selfmade to begin anew, because in the end, this is a play with potential. We put it the same going over to Team Liquid now, right? And uh, it was the same, I remember back in, in, in Splice, you know, we went to Worlds, and we kept the roster together, and I left the team because, in my mind, it didn't make sense to replace a player, but we needed a change in dynamic. They needed a new coach, they needed new players, they needed just something to stir things up so people could just renew themselves and start kind of a new chapter in their own book. But everything was so deeply rooted that uh, it just didn't uh, make sense anymore. I guess it's also very common in traditional sports, right? Where just yeah. a dynamic has run its course, right? Yeah, you need the mental refresh for sure. Um, Pretty much. I mean, I, I think with, with Vitality, what was... I feel like this last week we got a preview of what I expect Vitality to become in the G2 game um, because there's there's a lot of veteran presence on this team. And it, when you when you think about a lot of these players, you think about kind of verse in-game versatility when it comes to shot calling. And when we watch and Selfmade's a very headstrong player, that's the kind of <laughs> perception that I have of him. I don't know him at all. Um, but from watching his play and and kind of hearing tales about him. And what I really appreciated was that they're willing to be super creative in the game. Like, I love the fact that Selfmade basically started Jin Zhao red buff, right, on red side, and then walked literally across the entire map at level two to punish the Zyra Caitlyn push against Aphelios Thresh early. And, I mean, that's a really bold move, because if that doesn't work, you're just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it did work and it, they played it really well, but, and you know, a lot of that snowball was what ended up winning the game, but the level of creativity and the level of risk was something that I found really fun to watch. Um, for me, the thing is, if you have a player like Selfmade, there are junglers out there where the job of that jungler is to service the team, it is to help other people be their best player in the game, be their best self, as it were, no pun intended, obviously. To me, if you have a player as skilled as Selfmade is, to some degree, the team has to also adapt to him and be structured around his strengths, which isn't going to fit every type of team. It's not going to be the most versatile team you've ever seen, because the point is, when this guy is on his champions and he is on his game, he is unbelievably mechanically good. Like, mate, this guy was giving 
big arse of the fucking business at Worlds a few years ago before that series suddenly turned around. Like, it's genuinely one of the best players I think I've ever seen play jungle in the West. Just the raw skill level and expression. But as you say, Yamato, it does seem like he's somewhere where you have to sort of tune into his frequency, you know. He's not the guy who's going to play like fucking Smithy four years ago and just service everyone else on the map 24-7 and hope they carry the game, you know. Uh, I, I would just like like his potential is is immense, uh, and his uh, like his ability to be spontaneous and act on his his feeling that can be very very strong. But sometimes it can also be like a liability. You know, sometimes he gets stuck in his own view. Because I can imagine, you know, what what went. I can hear like when he level two gank bot. I can literally hear his voice. It's like these fucking guys, they pick Zyra support. I need a fucking Leona on my team, Nautilus. These are the champs that are always fisting me in the river. And these guys picking Zyra, I'm going to fucking show them to never fucking pick the shit again. <laughs> I, I, I can hear these, these words in my head uh, with, with self-made's voice. And, and, and this, in that moment, it's like the, the correct inclination because, as you mentioned, like it, it won them the game, right? It's playing Zyra, no flash. And it's, well, it's especially because... It's, when I see Carzy Affilios, like, you know, I, I, I tend to be become extremely nervous. This guy, I, I, I looked it up. He has like a 25% win rate on Affilios in his career. Like, he has traditionally just been fucking awful at this champ. And so when I see it in lane and I'm like, oh man, he's going to get bullied by this Zyra and Caitlyn. And oh shit, he actually is terrible because Carsey's much more of a, you know, he's an Ezreal player. He's a Varus player. You know, he's, yeah, he's yeah. the kind of sit back and poke you kind of guy. And so to, to see him be so dominant on Aphelios, I, I would say is encouraging, potentially shows growth, but also I think really showed that everybody was on the same page in terms of what needed to happen in that game and seeing it immediately and then pulling it out and then a very kind of i would say pretty smooth snowball through the end of the game as well that you know there are two kind of questions coming into this season i think for vitality the primary of which was can the legend for me it was can the legend of perks because perks is inherently going to draw respect even from very egocentric players like can the perks aura overcome the person the potential personality conflicts on this team and the second of which is is Carzy good enough? <laughs> is Carzy good enough? Um, I and those questions are still hovering out there in the ether. Uh, but I, I think like that's that's what I watch when I when I watch Vitality. The thing that's weird, I wonder actually what Yamato would think of this, because I know during the off-season, I was actually quite surprised by almost like this little bidding war that was going on over Carzy. Like so many people were interested in signing him, but I looked and I was like, I thought he's coming off some fairly sort of underwhelming splits, even though his team's winning the championship. I mean, most times people thought like Hansama gapped him in the fucking spring finals. Most people thought by summer, there wasn't even any discussion, like your bot lane was way better than the oh, yeah. fucking one in Mad Lions, despite the fact Kaiser appears to be one of the best players of any role to come in the LEC in years. I'm amazed by the way, he isn't the player that had the bidding war for him, but whatever, that's by the by. The issue I have with the Kazi one is it's implied from what I've heard either A, the other pro players think he's better than he showed in those splits like that was implied by the teams that want him and then secondly, they also, within Mad Lions, I think, were even trying to imply he brings some like extra intangibles that like most ADCs don't, like, they were trying to make it sound like he's not just like a brainless guy just left clicking or whatever and just mechanically playing, like, you know he's bringing some like, it, some shot call and some planning elements, they were trying to imply he was like part of the communication, so I don't know what you heard you what what do you what's your perception on Kazi? because again if you're making a super team i'm surprised he was one of the names that got sort of thrown in there 
Yeah, honestly, I, I have to say that I was also surprised. And I mean, no disrespect to, to Karzi at all, of course. Like, I think he's he's a decent player. Uh, like, the, the Felios thing is like, like, as a good example, I think it requires like a lot more elegance than how he uh, often likes to play. I think he's more of like a scrappy player that, uh, you know, sometimes take risks that are not necessary in the game. But, uh, and, and it's like also like, you know, when we, I remember when we were screaming Mad Lions before the finals, like our bot lane just hammered down on, 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 on Karzi so hard that this is like stuck in my memory. And, uh, and and also like at the World Championship, we didn't scream Mad Lions at all, so I don't have any context from that. But I, I was also, you know, uh, quite surprised of the status of Kazi as a player that he is like at the top of the top, like he is top one in in the region. Because well, part, I would part of the bidding, put... <laughs> part of the bidding was because Karzi and Perks are super close personally. So like. Mm. Because Vitality was one of those bidders as a result of perks, like that was definitely like driving his value up, right? No, that 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 makes sense, right? Like on, on my end, like I would keep upset, of course, and <laughs> I like upset Hansama to me with the two players that were like sure. the standout AD carries in in and in Europe. And then anything else was kind of due up to debate. It's like whatever wherever you place them, it's like I'm I'm fine either way. There's nothing like super, super exciting. I think if there was there was two players that really stood out above everyone else and that was upset and summer. And Kazi I wouldn't put in the same box, uh, probably not even close from what I've seen. And uh, maybe there's some intangible thing. I have no no clue about it, but uh, you know, uh, connections of course go a long way and uh, um like I, I view him the same way as like I remember his best moments was when playing like Syndra Bot with like the very scrappy Mad Lions that took like um, best of five off of um, G2. G2. I remember yeah. that one. Like that was like Okazi had some good moments. You know, he has like some some he he played very brave. You know, and sometimes died for it and sometimes won the game for it. But doesn't have that level of elegance where like for example. Uh, like when you play in a failure and you just space everyone so well and you're just never in danger and you just keep hitting everyone, you just keep bonking everyone with eight basic attacks and that, like that level of elegance. Uh, I, I think I haven't seen, you know, this is all, uh, all facets of being like a great Eddie Carey be covered by Karzi when I've seen that from, from Upset and Hansama. They're like meta proof in, in some shape or form, you know? I've got a question for you. Bearing in mind, on paper, Vitality was the other team like Fnatic. In the offseason, it seemed obvious should be the main rival for the LEC, etc. Right At the moment, no one really knows after the first two weeks what the other teams are about. Like, for example, G2 showed some positives, and then they had somewhere, you know, maybe the team doesn't look as strong as past years. Mad Lions maybe came out of the gate hot, but people aren't sure where they're mixed. Who are the other teams for you that, in your mind right now, these are the main, like, rivals to the title? Which one? Which one's the next most dangerous for you? Hmm. I like. Um, I mean, even Rogue, obviously, they've won all the games, even if they played some of the lower teams. Where, who are you picking out from this bit mix? There's a lot of other teams. I, I, I would be very surprised if we are not facing Vitality in the finals, uh, honestly. Uh, I think there are some, so some gaps in, in the other teams in terms of, uh, you know, being meta proof and what, what, uh, what they can play and cannot play. Uh, sure, there are some players that are new on some rosters that I need to see more of, but I'd be very surprised if I saw more from them than what 
that my team and and Vitality's roster could show. I would just be so surprised if they could bring that forward in within the span of of, of spring split, especially with the level of where everyone's at right now, which is quite poor. Like always in spring, everyone's playing quite bad, and and usually, like. Usually, like every team goes through the same phases every year when you make a new team. And even if you have the same team, you go through the same phases, you kind of figure out the bases again, you unrust, you figure out everything again. And when you have the veteran players, they know how to figure out the problems that are constantly reoccurring every year. How do we need to solve this? Okay, we need to focus on this, focus on this. And uh, that level of problem solving is is, is hard to, to teach, especially when you're dealing, like sure, G2 have Yankos and Caps, but... Vitality and Fnatic roster has a lot of fucking big names that can push uh, a team forward and make a team into a high caliber team. And um, this is just such a significant disadvantage that I have a hard time imagining uh, someone else, uh, you know, really, really standing out because they are way down with the question mark of what are these rookies going to become. And I just have such a fucking hard time imagining that they're going to become better than like, like G2's bot lane is going to be better than Fnatic bot lane. Like, I, I, I doubt that, you know, I sincerely doubt that. Thing is, you are playing the game on hard mode now, trying to win LEC without caps or perks while they're both in the league. Just a historical <laughs> hard mode. He did get he did get humanoid though, so that helps. Humanoid's been he's he's been winning some LEC. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Definitely helps. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I I agree. Like Bad Lions is just one of those teams that just can't get lucky forever. You know what I mean? Like they have they've struck gold too many times, and it just feels like inevitably as good as they are at scouting there's only so much talent to scout and now that they also struck that gold when other teams were not scouting as heavily as they are now so yes. it's become much more competitive much harder in order to do that and uh, you know i i haven't been overwhelmingly impressed by mad lions now they obviously play the long game by getting all of these players and hoping that they have the coaching staff and uh, superior scouting eye in order to identify talent uh, but I think, you know, they've looked shaky. I have, I mean, Ro Rogue's 5-0, and o, but I don't feel great about them being 5-0. and o. Um, They've played a lot of the bad teams. By the way, I will they just have say, a lot of bad teams. it's like life itself is taunting forgiven from the grave. Obviously, RIP dead now in the game competitively. There's not only a player called Unforgiven playing for a top <laughs> team, the reigning champions, but there are literally loads of Greek players even in the league just not forgiven. It's like at this point in time, the LEC is just like a fucking, it's like that Simpsons episode, like no homers allowed club or whatever. Like, and it's like, well, I mean, I said no forgivens. Yeah, that's no forgivens. We let Unforgiven, not you, though. Get out forgiven. Like, Oh, the fuck? I am oh, sad I we don't have the Forgiven versus Unforgiven like <laughs> late matchup ADC battle. That would have been fucking hilarious. And also, I hear the commentators, Forgiven and Unforgiven, let's have Forgiven and Unforgiven. Like, oh, it'd be a nightmare, wouldn't it? What would you even do? What would you even do? And then just the rose on top of it all, Caitlyn has the highest presence of any yeah, exactly. carry. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. Not, only, not only Caitlyn, but no more TP, so Forgiven could just literally push lane 24-7 like, like God intended. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um but yeah I, I i think a lot of these rosters like looking at rogue there's there's clearly some pretty severe communication issues with malrung and the rest of this roster if i watch the game like some of these tower dives have been bad like rogue rogue is i feel very lucky to be five and oh considering they have 
actively put themselves in situations that could have easily thrown entire games. You have to understand, Rogue is just a ranked fives team from back in the day. There's no voice comms, you know, they're just playing in the game. They all, they're all high elo, so, you know, if they have a great game, if the jungler gets his champion and he ganks the right lane telepathically while being flamed <laughs> I mean, in a language he doesn't understand. So, he West in a nutshell. There's also, you know, we talked about Rogue, and yes, they had some, like, choking issues, obviously, like, they should have won LEC titles, that's just objectively true, um, they should have performed better at international competitions, but there isn't a universe where you look at this roster and you're like, yeah... Comp and Malrong are definitely upgrades over Hansama and Inspired. Like, if anything, Trimby was probably the, the player on the chopping block of this team. And and yet, here we are. So it's it's really hard for me to be excited about this rogue roster as I was last year, because it just seems like the ceiling is much lower. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. I think they, they lost their strongest players. And I'm just curious to see if if the issues uh, will uh, remain because like their formula for how to to win best of ones uh, w works always in the short term, and I just have to see you know with time if the the, the same issues manifest themselves. Like I know they have like another coach now; they have two new players. Maybe they're going to be the driving force, but at the same time, it's it's, it's tough to believe. And then just to play the devil's advocate. Uh, in, in the sense that, sure, honestly, in the beginning of spring to be 5-0, uh, like even even us, you know, we some games we were lucky. It's like sure. how Vitality dove, <laughs> we were lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just completely sprinted it and we come back. We, we had some luck too. It's just the shitty nature of best of ones, right? So like, sure, uh, you need some luck to, get, to be 5-0 in the beginning of a spring split. And, you know, maybe... You know, Malran can bring his his Dalman experience and can teach the guys how to play like mid game and late game. Maybe I how's don't his know. English, by the way? I've I've heard that it's okayish. I guess oh, that's something. Uh, <laughs> I, but... I, look, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, if we if we were to armchair GM and you look at last you look at last year and you look at the way they lost high pressure games, which was frequently, it wasn't because they weren't getting advantages in the early game. They were getting tons of advantages in the early game. It was because they would make really terrible shot calls and like macro decisions in the mid to late game. Like this is how they were choking. And I'm not sure the solution to that problem should be bring in a jungler who's not fluent in English. Well, luckily, Monty, there's only two teams in the LEC are five and zero, and they're playing in the next match. Rogue is playing against Black. Yeah. You, so, you, you might have a hard week, actually. You, to just, yeah, you could just take care of this for us. You, you, know? have, you have G2, you have G2 and Rogue next week. Let's see which yeah. one team does go 6 0. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. But at the same time, not, right? It's like. Whatever happens in 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 like week three, like what, what how's it, it's not going to matter. It's just for for the for the narratives, right? And 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 just to say, right? It's like I, I believe jungle is probably like the role that is the least interesting. I would say in the West because it's like Whippo could role swap, and he's a fantastic player, and probably the, one of the few players that could role swap so quickly and and adapt to it. But in my mind, like even in the finals against Mad Lions, there was moments where he showed better jungle understanding than even Elioia, right? I think Mad Lions was just way better as a team than us, and they just uh, annihilated us, of course. But in terms of just pure jungling, I don't think anyone necessarily stands out like, oh, Western jungler's amazing. Like, it, it even got to the point that, you know, 
uh, even some of the NA junglers were came up in conversations. Maybe these are going to be like imports in fu future years when you think of like uh, Speaker and of course Blabber. Like these are players that are in the conversation for being, you know, some of the top uh, Western junglers. But generally speaking, the role isn't super, super exciting. We are very lucky to to bring Razor because he has the mindset and the mechanical skill to become like really, really insane and become uh, potentially the best Western jungler. But if there is a role that you need to import in and if you're rogue and you're not having like a super exciting offseason, getting the bench from down one makes sense if you have the right structure behind Malrang to, of course, uh, you know, set them up for success. But I, I know too little about what's going on there, right? I don't know if they have a translator there always or what's going on in that structure. No idea. I have some personal experience with working sure. with uh, uh, Korean junglers, right? But uh, who I'm knows, not right? saying it, it can't work. I'm just saying that the barrier to it working is Mal Malrang is going to have to be better at communicating with his team, right? He can have all of the knowledge they require in his brain, but if he can't communicate it, and it may take time for him to be able to learn how to communicate it, for his teammates to be able to learn how to understand like the way he's communicating to them, it's not impossible. It truly isn't. But uh, I think in, in many ways, they're lucky to be 5-0 and right now. And there have been a, there's been a lot of sloppy play in my opinion, from watching Rogue. And if, if you look at their victories, their victories are SK, Misfits, Astralis, Mad Lions, and BDS. Right? Yeah, they, that's, that's pretty chill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you could say, like, I, I would say that I think probably Misfits is, from what I've seen, maybe slightly better than the current version of Mad Lions. But, I mean, they're both kind of flawed. So it hasn't been the toughest schedule overall. Yeah, I, I I'd agree. They've they've dodged some of the the top top dogs, so to speak. <laughs> we'll we'll see after this week, you know. Maybe they play they, they play you and... and Vitality this week, so it's gonna be a lot fucking. Oh, it's harder. a big one. It's a big one. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot fucking harder. <laughs> I've got a quick question, which is this: It's a topic that I noticed a lot of people on talk shows have discussed, but I thought I'd get your take on it. You're someone who, when Caps was at his peak, would obviously have waxed lyrical with us about incredibly years, and he can do all these things that the other players can't do. And you know, he is the player in the West that looked. I mean, just think of even 2020 Worlds. He was the one Western player that looked like holy shit. Even like the Korean middle mid laner might be like, "Fuck, I could get wrecked if I don't watch out this game." I haven't seen that Caps for a while now, mate. And in this particular G2, it looks like if we don't see that Caps again. They don't look like they're necessarily going to win the LEC. They might just be a good team, right? Yeah, but like uh, definitely, it's 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 been a while. Like I feel like that's that super caps is what's going to be required. But I feel like the era of that is is like it's like the pool of what he's playing against is is tough. It's like we have humanoid. There's going to be perks, and it's not going to be like super easy to just one v nine games like he did at one point. Uh, like. I have a hard time. It's a thing, you might, or you either die in Inter or you live to see yourself become a mid lane mage player under your tower getting that four extra CS. Everyone becomes frogging <laughs> in the end. You all like to laugh at all until your favorite player becomes frogging, till Bjergsen becomes frogging, till they all become frogging in the perks. They're all frogging in the end, mate. Or they're like boy Kerps. Per Kerp perks is still in tin. That's what I like about him. He hasn't totally given up. He knows that LeBlanc is both the path to an int or win the game. That's what I like about Perks. It's, it's great that you say that because like when we played caps right in the best of five last year he turned into that at one point he was just picking oriana and just hugging his turret oh, no, it's wild and isn't it <laughs> it's, it's 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 crazy how true it is 
I mean, I, the other thing is just the meta has just shifted into those like wave clear control exactly. mages or see everyone you know, gangster until yeah. that first pick Oriana comes in. Then, <laughs> then not so much. Then not so much. Sir. I exactly. was looking up LPL and Oriana has like a 70 plus percent win rate there now too, which is just not what you want to see out of, out of LPL. <laughs> Low key, very, very powerful pick in, in one of the best regions in the world so far. As this damn TP change allows these champs to be in lane for 15 minutes without <laughs> making anyone feel bad about it. <laughs> See, there are there are definitely there are definitely some downsides, I think, to the TP changes. I mean, they they've been trying to scale back on some of the uh, on some of the assassins in general, and like, I guess. I guess I I still pine for more of these like team fight oriented champions rather than the delete everyone in one second champions because I just don't think that's very interactive gameplay personally. You want to say who isn't picked that you'd like to see? Uh, well, right. No, I mean I'm happy. That's what I'm saying. I'm happy with the way oh, things right. are that's right what you now. Mean. Okay, right. <laughs> I I like seeing the control mages because oh, right, it's, sure. Yeah, it's it, it's more of a bring. I do, I don't like seeing a lot of the assassins because the way the game has gone has been like these champions get slightly ahead and then literally nobody can survive even tanks more than one second and. I, I don't find that very fun to watch. It has gotten to the point where when Riot introduces a new champion with dashes, you almost think it's like an onion version of what a Riot, like an house Because the joke is you've got like two spells in it and you're like, that's not even the ult. What the, what the fuck? And it's like, and then the passive is you just get 100 health every four seconds for no reason. And you're like, what the fuck is going on like that? It's like the old ship, the most busted stuff of all time. You think that you think it would be like, like at this point, I think they genuinely are. It's like a put on. The people who designed the champions really are just like, Let's see if I can sneak this shit out. It's OP as fuck. And they're just trying to like sneak it out under the factory line before like quality control comes in. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, is that gonna that got free flash? Get that off E right now. Dude, Get it off now. The funniest, the funniest shit. And like it's just it just goes to show how difficult balancing this game has become because the unintended uses of things are just through the roof. Oh, like yeah. the fucking chem tank Akali is just what the fuck? What the fuck just is gross, that? It? <laughs> You're just flying around getting the chem tank charged up, and it's just uh, it's just so terrible. Mate, I'll even be a hater. Even that Diana, where like even though it looked sick when El Yoya did it, it was like how many gap courses no, this fucking got? <laughs> Seven gap courses. You got killed. What is this? Like that, dude. That was like if if everyone's a jungler, they were like sick player. Everyone who plays the other roles was like that's like my nightmare caption on fucking HD, and everyone's applauding it. Like why is, delete that? Get it out of the game. How am I supposed to play any of the normal champions against that shit? I've got, what, you've only got one flash. What am I supposed to do? What, what I appreciate about some of these. Never get <laughs> what I appreciate about some of these items is they actually like made champions like Udyr and Hecarim like, oh, playable at the professional sure. level, which is their intended purpose, right? And oh, like, yeah. selfishly, as as an Udyr and Hecarim player, because I'm old and have no reactions, like I appreciate that I can play these champions because I fucking suck at mechanics. Do you know what I mean? But uh, you know, at the pro level, if you, it's like they don't think, and it's it's the same shit that happened with the you know Rip, Chemtech Drake. You know, we'll we'll remember you not fondly at all, horribly, in fact. But it's like you put this in the game and you don't even think about Rengar. Like, how can you how is that <laughs> error possible to be made? Like, how did this pass? Like, do you have no one there who knows all of the champion abilities in the game and like how zero brushes affect these champions and their viability? It's it's nuts to me. 
I do appreciate changes. though, like well, we've got this weird dynamic now where apparently breaking news can just enter the fourth wall of this show and start we've got breaking news up oh, in track like as though there's gonna be some of the insight in like twenty eighty nine, like oh in tragic news. Um unfortunately we were told that freak passed away in his bed, surrounded by his loved ones, and a tribute to him, the game will never be the same without him, Monty. I pass it over now to a short highlights package in which we'll remember the best moments of Freak and his great puns at the World Championship on this day that we all mourn collectively. Like is this what someone it's going to be cool I mean, just, look, we had to talk yeah. about it we look we had to talk about it on the show because okay. it's super important okay. actually it's, it's super that one was super important to talk about immediately because here's thor here's what's going to happen everybody is going to be like did you talk about the chemtech drink yes. changes and i'm like yes. well I can actually fix that problem right now. So that's almost <laughs> as good though, Monty, is when I do my reflections interviews, which are clearly everyone in the world should know. I just cut it in half. And after part one, people start messaging me. I hope in part two, you should ask him in part two about this. It's like, well, I can't do that, can I? It's already been recorded <laughs> in the past. Like, listen, they're great. You're making some great points, but like, I can't do that, can I? It's, it's not freshly recorded, but it's just cut in half. So that's it. Ugh. Didn't they? Uh, didn't they, uh, Yamato? I, I haven't actually seen this interaction, mm. but I was talking to somebody about it. So I'm curious. I'm curious your take on this. Cause like, this okay. is just another example of, uh, I, I could be wrong. I'm going to say this upfront. Uh, another example of like Riot not thinking about unintended consequences, which is that because of the chemtech fog being categorized as camouflage in the game, right? And then they changed Rengar. Now the interaction with the Senna fog allows yeah, him yeah. to like repeatedly jump in and out of the Senna fog. Yes. And like, it's like, it's just like another like unintended circumstance that is just ultra abusable. Uh, honestly, I, I feel like it, this works, right? You can jump. Uh, you could just jump with Rengar out of Senna. Like it, it, it works, right? It just I, I feel like a lot of the changes. It's like I remember when they just added a bunch of blast cones. You know, there's blast cones, vision <laughs> plants. Just someone's spreading their seed all over the rift. There's plants everywhere. <laughs> and it's just I, I don't think they have enough manpower to like think of every single circumstance so they just throw some shit in there and just holy shit like oh people are complaining about this let's fix this fast here's, you know? here's here's the thing yamato <laughs> there are only so many abilities with camouflage in the game right and all i think all of them yes all of them except for senna's black mist only affect the champion that yeah is using camouflage. So therefore, all you have to do is look at like the 10, nine, I, somewhere around there, like 10-ish champions off the top of my head that have camouflage. And then you're like, well, this one could affect Rengar. And you're like, hmm, maybe we should do that. You know, I, The game is enormously complicated, right? It's what happens when you get to 160 champions in this game, but it is just wild. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, of course. Like it's, it's, it's silly that like, it, it, it's always about like which, like w what are people most vocal about? It's like that's why like ev like eighty percent of the champs that are released are just ninjas that are just dashing around, just killing people. It just it goes back to the World of Warcraft model. It's like I remember back in vanilla, sixty seventy percent of the player base it was just rogues. Everyone wanted to be a ninja that could kill someone, get out, just be a cool ninja with cooldowns. And then the rest of the player base is just people that hate rogues. And that is just, that's that's what they cater to. So it's like they release, like the, the Seri, the champion is just dashing, 5k move speed, is just running around the whole map, it's a cool ninja. And then occasionally they're like, okay, you guys hate ninjas? Here's Vex. 
She's very good against these ninjas. And that's, that's like the only thing that they cater to is just, we want to, we need to create more ninjas. We need to create more cool shit that makes you dash around the whole map and just do crazy stuff. By the uh, way, anime ruined the world because fucking, remember what ninjas were like before Naruto? Remember how they were just silent assassins that relied on stealth and subterfuge and disguise in order to kill people not having like they're, they're just fucking wizards now guys they're not fucking ninjas they're just wizards okay <laughs> everything can't be a wizard it's not cool anymore that's true it's like it's, like, it's just I, I know that riot's philosophy in terms of making new champions is like they always want to implement some new kind of mechanic and at some point, it's like, you're going to implement some mechanics that just fuck with something something else in the game. It's like, when Ivan was created, it's like, he makes bushes. How cool is that? And then once again, Rengar comes around, like, just jumps out of the, those bushes, <laughs> just fucks the whole game up, you know? It's just, it's like, it's always some crossover. It's like something in the game. And there's always the, the champions that no one's vocal about just remain fucked. They're in some corner. No one gives a shit about it. It's like, Aurelion Soul. You have, like, some guy on Reddit, it's like, two upvotes, like, Aurelion Soul is not the good champ. I think Aurelion Soul is cool as a concept, too. Oh, it's remember, actually makes me sad that he's not used more. Remember, Monty, one of the only explicit ninjas, Shen, is just nothing like any of those things. Doesn't have any, like, super... <laughs> just garbage in he. He's just a guy who flashed in, like, come get me. And that's, like, all he does. That's his whole well, move. That was, that was always the fucking joke, dude, in League of Legends, is that they don't actually know what ninjas are. Oh, because Shen was designed as a taunt tank, which is, it's like... <laughs> and then, also, the old item ninja tabbies were designed to get auto-attacked. Like, know, they, they literally don't all. fucking the Swifties, you obviously, you idiots. I know exactly it doesn't make any sense at all, does it? <laughs> it wasn't like, I don't know. It's just so funny. Actually, to be fair to Ninja Tabbies, they did used to have a dodge percentage, which is why, but they yes. were changed. And then <laughs> they changed just the name. Fuck funny. Remember, that's another thing. One thing I'll give them credit for, the developers, when they took out that dodging mechanic that made Jax just like a living nightmare to play against. I mean, to be fair, it was bad for you, Matt. I was like his main champion or something, but it was fucking garbage, <laughs> wasn't it? Where you just like, it was like just randomly calculated. No, that actually you didn't hit him. They're like, what the fuck is this? What counterplay do I have to dodge? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> Those are dark times. Uh, yeah, it's like everyone's. I remember those times because everyone was using dodge seals, which gave you eight yes. percent dodge. And then you you had like in the mastery tree, you could use crit runes, like a crit mastery too. And there's like two percent crit, eight percent dodge, and you just fight the guy to to death level one. And then occasionally you would like drop an XP quint, so you get level two on, on the first wave. So it's just a question of who is the cheesiest. Dude. Dude, the real, the real, the real cheese was the the adding the one red crit rune, so you had yes. like the one percent crit chance, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. like you just all in if you if you just happened to yeah, crit yeah. at one percent <laughs> of the time. Because the best thing about that is if the other person knows that what you did, it's the ultimate tilter. If you die from that, because <laughs> you know it's a one percent chance, Monty, that's mental broken instantly for the rest of the game. It was it's like so all unfair. armor pen one percent crit. It's so unfair. <laughs> Oh man, those old runes sucked. I'm glad. I actually like the new rune system. I think it's it's mm. much more much more fun um, and much more interesting. But yeah, the old rune system was a piece of shit. Um, I so <laughs> I'm curious. Just as a more meta topic, Yamato. Mm. Now that we have 160 plus champions in the game of League of Legends, should they add more champions? Because like I I can't stand anymore. I can't deal with anymore. Man, like the similar question is the here's the obvious one. Should they also remove some? That would be an option, right? Sure. Hmm. Why, why can't it be like Counter-Strike? Why can't things go out of the, the champion pool and be removed? Like, for example, how about every season, competitively, you remove 10 champions just to see what it does to the meta or something, you know? 
I guess people would complain. It's like, I bought skins for this champion. Yeah, and now it's true. not available. You know, it'd be some shit like that. You <laughs> know? Yes. It's, it's like, like, dude, the Koreans would quit immediately, by the way. I'm not even joking. Like, it, here's, here's a story about Korean mentality huh? that, that is very, very interesting. <clears throat> so Hearthstone, when it was released in Korea, was huge. Um, you know, you would you would think they're not really big into CCGs like magic is never they don't have their own CCGs. Magic was never huge over there, even though there are Korean magic, Korean language magic cards. There's a small community that plays it. Um, but when Hearthstone was released, it was huge because Blizzard game, obviously, the Korean fans love Blizzard um, because there is like 5G on all the subways. It's really easy to play Hearthstone while you're commuting. Um, like on your phone or whatever. So it had a natural appeal. OGM was running these big Hearthstone tournaments that were very popular with the fans. And what happened in Korea is that it sounds obvious, but CCG fans are used to cards being used in cycles. Like you buy the card, then it cycles out, right? Everybody knows that that's what happened. When they started doing that in Hearthstone in Korea, the Korean fans went ballistic because they were like, what do you mean we can't use the cards we bought? We own these cards. And so you, the Korean, the response to that happening in League of Legends, if they cycled out people's skins that they bought, would be insane. Like, it actually killed Hearthstone in Korea it, to that degree that people were so fucking mad. Um, and so now I think you have that problem where in League of Legends, if you actually deleted champs, you would have big, big issues with a lot of the fan bases in certain yeah. countries. I would also say, like, for me personally, I like, like, more champions means more depth to the game. Like, I, I like when a game becomes deeper, more complicated. But my worry would be that, like, if someone, like, I can't imagine someone trying out League for the first time now and you just try to learn the game. Like, what kind of a fucking mess I'll is that? Mental. Like, like I just, that's, that's fucking spooky, you know? Uh, and at the same time, I understand, like, usually, Right, like I, I ima I'd imagine that their approach to creating new champs is just like probably their biggest marketing tool that they have. There's always some grand event, big videos. Here's this new champ. Here's the story. Here's how flashy and cool it is. Come play our game, and that's how I imagine that. Uh, that's why they're always always making these ninjas. We're going in circles now, and uh, for me. As uh, like more depth in the game, I'm happy. You know, if one day there's 500 champs and I have to think about how to fucking do draft, you know that that excites me. But at the same but time, how do you even get involved I, as a new player, Yamato? Like it, yeah, it's that, easy that to talk about me. for that, you because you've been there. You you know when you when a new champ gets out of the game, you have to learn one champ. Yes, like, yes. If there's 500 champs and you're coming to this game, you're like, I have to learn 500 fucking champs. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's fucking spooky. I I, I like the system like. With, with Counter-Strike, it's like the gunplay, you can easily connect to it. This guy killed a couple of people. The castles bring the good vibe, you know, you get to, you get to connect with it really easily. The maps, uh, I, I, how many maps are in a pool usually? Uh, seven. Like, I don't know, seven. So it's like, imagine if it was fucking 15, 20 maps. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the, where the fuck is this place? Yes. What the fuck is yes. Dust One? Who plays <laughs> Dust One? Like, it's it's it, it would be like an absolute mess so there's like a fucking advantage that they have uh like with league i guess we only have summoners rift but in regards to like new champions like this this is what spooks me it's like further down the line it's like what is the next generation of of league of legends players are they going to actively play the game or is it going to be invited to play the mmo and league is going to slowly die <laughs> maybe that's going to be the case but oh, i know that way. Riot 
if you keep going with the additions, eventually, especially if you get to like 200 champions, you're just going to have some scenario. It's going to happen where someone's going to figure out the stupidest ever, like pick that no one's ever done. And they're going to do it in like world semifinals. And they're going to have some comp. Like remember with 200 champions, the amount of like possible combinations will be like millions of potential comp. So like nobody could have possibly pathed all those in their brain. And then when you lose, you're going to say what? Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm only a fucking coach, not superhuman. I couldn't just like do a doctor. I can, the, the draft can't be like Doctor Strange, pause it. Like, I've been through all 17 million possible timelines and this is the cover. Like, you can't do that. You have to just pick what you know, don't you? Like, the fuck? It's also, <laughs> it's not like in chess, there's just pieces that no one uses. Well, that's what I'm saying. Up. In chess, in chess, there's infinite depth, but the <laughs> rules are easy to understand. You can't exactly. have infinite complexity to, un to even begin to like comprehend the game. Like, the, the burden of knowledge in chess. To know what's going on is very low, but the depth is very big. It just feels mm. like we're getting to a point where the burden of knowledge is just fucking overwhelming to even know what everything does. But the right? joke is, even so, even if they have 400 champions, it still grabs his fault anytime the draft doesn't go the right way. <laughs> Understand that, fans. It will always be good. Even grabs doesn't coach anymore. Anyone who does a bad draft, it'll just be grabs his fault. As long as we all remember that deep in our hearts, then that's, that's fine. Maybe he'll be, he'll be a champion one day. He should just in. design them. Yeah, he, yeah, they should actually just be a grabs champion. It just ints the game instantly if you lock it in. You're fool for doing it. You've ruined the whole draft by picking grabs, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> That's better, damn. There you go. Maybe he has like a passive. He just makes all the other champions 10% worse stats and it doesn't, their ults don't really execute properly, you know. Perfect. I'd buy a skin. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, or do we want to shout out? It seems like uh, you're you're pretty. I think we're all pretty doomed on a lot of these LEC teams. Like I, I hope we're wrong about the the conclusion that Fnatic and Vitality are going to be head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in this league. But there's just been there's so many new players that it's hard to bet on them when it comes to an actual like high pressure playoff match. Yeah. Like I feel like the, the the skill floor has definitely gotten a little bit higher, but usually, like if there's a standout player, uh, usually he just gets snapped up, you know, and he gets either sold off to North America or the, the higher end teams are, are picking them up. I'd I'd be curious to to see what happens, like if they decide to like expand the league and some of the orgs that are moving mad, like K Corp, Koi, then. I would imagine that we would see like uh, some bigger shakeups in terms of what could and and cannot be, and then with the decline of North American LCS and their viewership, then maybe there's going to be a big like exodus, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know uh, salary cuts are going to be happening because it's just not a worthy investment. Maybe in a couple of years, everyone's going to be reuniting in in Europe, and all of a sudden yes. we have like six yes. super teams, you know? Yes. There's, Truly the dream, you know, and then the, the dream, we would have some sick League of Legends, you know, the dream, <laughs> the dream is 16 teams combining LCS and LEC in Europe. That would be my dream, because like I, I just it's really it's really hard for me to muster up enthusiasm to fucking watch LCS like really hard. I, there are certain games that I feel like I, I want to watch, but the majority of the league is like, do I ever want to watch a golden guardians it's the thing monty with lcs now i'm sort of like <laughs> mark z you can only guarantee i'll be watching lcs once a week it's sort of a slow burner that one it's all right slow burner that one i mean look yeah, i i've been in go. favor 
I've been in favor of creating just the the Super League on top of everything. Just give me 20 teams that with no region locking that move around the world playing games. Like that's actually what I want to watch. And there would be Western teams in the top 20 for sure. You could make very good competitive Western rosters. Like it wouldn't be an exclusively Korean and Chinese league. And in fact, that's the only way that I think a Western team will ever be able to win worlds is because they need that level of competition constantly in order to challenge for the best. It's not a lack of talent. It's a lack of available practice. I'd be worried though. Eventually, I, I feel like maybe it's inevitable even without the Super League, but eventually it's like the amount of players China has, like eventually they're going to have... Not anymore, dude. <laughs> not anymore, really? Well, there was the age thing, remember? Where, like, not with the age thing. 18 or whatever the fuck it is. Remember that oh, thing? They, they will figure out a way, just buy some VPN yeah. or just, uh, you know, fake some birth certificates like they did in the past. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, yeah, but, but here's, here's, the, here's the thing, here's the thing, Yamato. <laughs> the birth certificate faking was done by the Chinese government. Allegedly in a video game, Minecraft, keep going. <laughs> I'm not the one going to The again. Chinese It'll government be, is the one that doesn't want you to play the game, so they're not going to fake. Allegedly, video game Minecraft. They're not going to fake the birth certificates. You know who what did, I mean? Who did Tencent piss off? <laughs> I, I mean, it's just it's just the government's decisions, and yeah, there may be there may be ways to work around it, but the problem is is that as facial recognition and like the control software that China uses gets better, it's going to be harder and harder to get around these these barriers. Okay, we have chances. Yes. <laughs> no, seriously, like I think it's going to be a big issue. We'll we'll see how it goes. You know, like you said, it may be all for show. There may be mm. the government may just not enforce it, not give a shit, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. And I you know, just from my work in the business end of esports, there are a lot of companies that are pulling out of Chinese esports right now because oh, they okay. you know, people who are trying to make inroads into China are now just abandoning those projects basically. So by the way, if you're anyone out there in Western esports who tries to flex how mega woke you are, you're going to look so silly. Are you ready? Not only, obviously, in League of Legends is everything owned by Tencent in China, and then there's links to like the actual, like, literal Communist Chinese Party in charge. But obviously, like in CSGO, ESL has been bought by the Saudis. Like, you have to understand, in about 10 years, your flexing is going to look so bad when you're like, and welcome to the Wayland Utani Corporation World Championship of League of Legends. Like, like you're just making them the, nice. the most cynical, evil corporation. To ever exist, you morons! Like, just just tone it down a minute. Just tone it down. Come yeah. On. That, by the way, that also announcement happened during this show, which is that yes. ESL has been acquired by a fund uh, from the Saudi government. So let's let's just be clear for for all you people out there. Riot is wholly owned, one hundred percent owned by Tencent. Tencent is giving a large chunk of their profits directly to the Chinese government right now under common prosperity. So. Money that Tencent makes now goes directly to Chinese government. All right, let's be clear about that. Now, on the other side, ESL, which is the largest entity in Counter-Strike tournament operations, is now owned by a fund operated by the Saudi government. So we'll see where everybody stands at the end. When the, when the dust settles, we'll see if your words and your actions match up, everybody. We'll see, we'll see where you're at. Stay tuned. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know I, where this is going. They won't match up at all. 
It's just a good job Blizzard was actually already sold to Microsoft because apparently the em- the bid from the Empire out of Star Wars was looking really appealing. <laughs> you know, apparently Darth Vader was going to come down and oversee, you know, the new like diversity department or something. <laughs> Fuck, you know, why is everyone such a fucking clown show? You're not even just the clown show, the whole circus. That's everyone in this fucking industry. Look, it's mental. Look, and, and, and here's 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 the thing. Here's the thing about all of this. Under globalization, there is no clean money anymore. Like. You know, I don't particularly care about either of these things that are happening. Like, I don't particularly care that Riot's owned by Tencent, and I don't particularly care that ESL is owned by the Saudi government right now. Like, or it was inevitable as well. It it was inevitable, guys. Like, (laughs) this is just the world. And so I just realized that this is the world we live in, and I don't pretend to have these ethics because I know I'm going to be taking money from these people. The only thing that makes me sad is, as the world becomes more like one of my favorite video games on the PC, DSX, the original, I'm just sad that I myself measure up so badly to the main character and all the abilities he had, because I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. I don't imagine I can crawl through vents, Monty, and, like, hack a fucking security camera and then, like, join the scene, but they're like, boy, I imagine I'll just be all the side people that got killed in the side of the fucking mission by a, a fucking drone or something. Like, oh, shit, that was just me. I wasn't even the protagonist. So whacking it. I wanted DSX, but you got to be careful when you ask for DSX. What if you get DSX? That's the problem. <laughs> careful what you ask for, kids. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, it's it's a weird time to be in esports, that's for sure. Uh, and we will be doing a Four Horsemen episode at a to-be-determined date uh, for, for the ESL stuff. So uh, I knew this was coming. I was just waiting for waiting for the announcement, and here it is. Um, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Anyway, Yamato. I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah. We're wrapping it up. We- we got to do some viewer questions, but we won't subject Yamato to our, our viewer All questions. Right. So. I don't mind if you guys... <laughs> fuck it. Let's do it. I thought you had a presentation. All right. Let's do it. No, I have some hours left in the day. All right. He lives the real gamer hours over here. He lives we'll do a million of them, but we'll do a few. Go on. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see if I can get some... I want to get ones that Yamato can answer. <laughs> oh, here's a good one. Uh, Monty talks about grassroots esports scenes being the West's path to world class competition. In a world where parents get their kids training for esports like they do sports in the West, from ages early to three to five, can the West compete with Asia, or are we doomed to have the same thing as well uh, and still lose because of the number of body slash cultural philosophy? I think we absolutely can be competitive. I think that it's not like China's dominating every sport in the universe simply by having more people. I think one of the great systems in the West, whether it's the soccer the soccer training programs in Europe or the sports training programs in America, is that we do have an, an excellent pipeline in the West to improve people, to coach them from a young age. And I think it would be immensely, immensely helpful. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you as well. I, I think it's, there's like a, an, an advantage with having like a large population. But as you mentioned, it doesn't mean that... Uh, you know, China's number one in everything, right? It's like there's so many outliers and different lines of, of work that just appear, like one city with 600 people, they make the best swords in the world, and this, they've they've nurtured yeah. the, the idea Look, of how they make swords. I'm just making something no, up, right? China is like really fucking good at running marathons, right? It's not like, yeah, you yeah. know, it's because of the, the, the people who live there, the knowledge that exists there, the training that exists there, right? It's just you have specialties. There's this book, right, called the like outliers. Like it's like it, it explores the concepts of of how outliers are created, and it's necess- not necessarily tied to to population at all. It's it's like um, the, the the story of 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 how you do things and how the information is passed on. It's like 
like like Korea is continuously producing like really really fucking good players. Like when I was over there working with Sandbox, I just saw how individually good everyone is and what the bar is due to what the culture has set as a standard for what you need to do in order to be a pro player. Like that bar is super super high, and I wouldn't like I'm certain that that standard and that bar is for sure and like lower everywhere else. Like from well, my experience in Europe and North America. But it's high in, in Korea. Go on. It's high in Korea, Yamato, because they've had 25 years of professional yes. gaming in order to set that bar high. So, I mean, like, listen, we, we had 20 years in the West, just no one fucking did anything, did they? They just sat around hoping it'd all work out. <laughs> and then the players bloody coached the team since about three years ago, so it meant, like, oh, they'll figure it out, the players. Yeah, the most reliable, responsible people in the whole scene are all 18 and emotionally 12 years old, eating fucking Cheetos, watching anime, going, ah, I'm a human, an adult. Can I have $10 million next year for my salary? No, here's what we were remiss to ask. I just realized this. We almost ended the episode without asking Yamato, who literally coached him. What he thinks of Summit going to Cloud9? Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> oh. I didn't even tell oh. about that. <laughs> I, I think Summit is mechanically one of the best top lanes I've ever seen. Uh, like, really, really insane. Uh, uh, I think, you know, with my time working with him, he often needed uh, conceptual proof and in, in terms of what other people are doing before he was willing to like test completely new things. But of course, this was quite some time ago, so uh, okay. things can, of course, change uh, with, the, with the time span. I think he was a very, very classic player in terms of how he viewed the game and he would uh, do anything that you'd expect like a Korean top laner to do to to have like the timers down toward and to never like look for some crazy advantage always play it safe make sure that you know you have all your box covered like all every check mark covered before you try to push your advantage you know this is how I would view like how how uh, the, the players approach the game uh, when I was over in Korea mechanically very very talented I think he has a very high ceiling I, I'm curious to see how it pans out uh, when I was working with him his, his English level wasn't uh, uh, the highest but of course, we had a translator that was helping me out. But I think being pushed into an environment where he's forced to speak more because he was only talking to me yeah, like yeah. when it came to the English part. So he doesn't feel as incentivized because he's not sure, yeah. in the game, right? So it's hard for me to judge his English level. But I think, you know, on RN2, you know, he was also on, on my list when we were scared about, you know, G2, like Wunder and, and Kabushat going to K-Cup and so forth. He was definitely like a name that was oh, on okay. my mind too, you know. It's like okay. a player that, uh, you know, is just going to be a solid player. He's going to be isolated and, and we will figure it out along the way to, to you know, bring him over. But I think it's, it's a very good signing. I, I don't think he's going to, you know, necessarily uh, struggle uh, over in North America. Uh, I think he's, yeah. he's a good, good pickup. You know, a few years ago, you made a tweet, which was sort of a subtweet of LS, where you said something like, you know, you don't have to know how to play collectible card games to know how to understand League of Legends, oh. which is obviously like a little, it was a sliding analysis. <laughs> All I'm saying is I'm That's waiting for your boy Summit to experience that, to just be like, wait a minute, get, get the translator in here. Why the fuck? Do, what does Street Fighter though have to do with and playing top lane? Like, I don't, like I, I know I know what Street Fighter is, but I just I, I, I'm not getting it. Like, what does what does the way Ryu fought against Akuma have to do with this matchup though? Like, what's it, we're getting lost in translation here? You know. I, I remember this tweet because this tweet <laughs> okay. was actually in reference for Reaper. Oh, okay, right. Well, because Reaper Reaper released like a video and he was like talking about drafting, and it, it gets to a point where you know. It's like you can talk about drafting while 
talking about drafting, you know? And it's just got to a point where it's like, you don't, have to bring, you don't have to like bring an analogy for everything. You okay. I love analogies, you know? I love analogies. Yes. I love your analogies. You know, I, I love analogies and I love, you know, crossovers. And I think it can be very, very useful. But it got to a point where it's like, yo, you're just adding additional steps to it and what the fuck is going on? And okay. this specific tweet was in reference to Reapert. And I can understand how the context of it at the time was just, okay. uh, you know, poorly timed, you know? Right. But it's like, uh, I remember like with the whole MTG thing, it's like, this is a very red composition. And I don't think yes. it's, it's, it's like that black and white. You know, I, I just don't think the game is black and white because, for example, I can pick Darius, right? And inherently, this champion can be very, very kited. But if I put Darius next to like a Caitlyn and Lux and the enemy is getting outraged about Caitlyn and Lux, all of a sudden they have to get through a Darius. And all of a sudden his color changes, right? So like the metaphors, maybe they are not elaborating as much on the nuance, okay. nuance of the game as, as much as they could. But so at the same time... Yeah, go on. I'd like to say as well that I, I don't know the depth of, of the analogies or, or the, the idea. Like, I don't play enough magic to, to like, I, I don't want to start an all-out war here with LS where he says, yeah, oh, yeah, well, he misunderstood because I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't consume all of his content. I don't yeah, I yeah. don't know the, the, the gist of the whole idea of it. So maybe it's great, maybe it's not. I don't know. You know? Fair enough. I have better things to do than to go to war. <laughs> well, you say that now, but if you end up playing him at MSI or Worlds, you, that's the only thing you'll be doing is going. Oh, that's but... that's the type of wars I, I like to play. Yeah. So well, speaking as well, that's not even like just a narrative. Like people do think that if LS is a coach and he's in like Worlds in the quarters, that it's like the fucking Yu-Gi-Oh episode. I know that you thought I would do that on Ban Two, but actually I prepared that before and piled you into my trap. Like everyone thinks that's what he's going. Just could be a coach, you fucking idiot. <laughs> that shit was just for the cameras and it was an interesting analogy he's not really teaching the players like that you know he's not coming round and then they're coming like right coach so um beginning of like strat session and he's like see this makeup of like fucking the show seinfeld the way jerry entered like he's not doing that like that's just that's just to teach you idiots these are pro players he's teaching yes, they know the game you know so speaking of ls as a coach here here's a question in the vein of the videos thorin did on forgiven and upset do you think this split is a no more excuses situation for ls considering the amount of power c9 okay. has vested in him and his ideas who's that too are you are you yeah. essentially the gist is when upset and forgiven got into top teams so it was when forgiven mm -hmm. got into sk and he was gonna have some quality players and upset obviously like you drew in the former team but reckless was on yeah, it's the idea that, like, you know, you can't have any excuses now, dude. Like, eventually, yeah. like, you can't keep saying, I haven't got the teammates. Like, eventually, you've got the resources. Now you've got to do something. By the way, fair play to Upset. He obviously went to Worlds and was in the LEC final. So in similar vein, if you are LS now... It's all well and good talking this theoretical stuff that you could do and talking about how these advancements need to change. Even maybe talking about how LCS teams need to think differently. If you get become a coach of one of the absolute top LCS teams and you even get like Korean people coming, logically, on some you level... Have you have control over the academy yeah. roster. I mean, it's this is the, the LS show. Your philosophy mm. has to produce results now, right? Yeah. Well, the question is just time span, right? Because so many things can go wrong. Uh, so it's it's always you know that additional layer of stress you know like you never know what's gonna happen in life like I could I could legit you know start walking to my hotel room and maybe this is the last time I talk to anyone ever and I get hit by a car right who who fucking knows what might happen right so it's it's not in in essence I I, I agree that so Yvonne uh, Yvonne was just like how can we judge anyone on anything ever 
called as a key witness to the Reginald investigation. You won't believe it, Monty. He's already prepared. No, to He's already prepared this whole Johnny Cochran speech there. Well, in many ways, Monty, how could any of us judge anyone who can know what could happen? Really? In what, it? Is you know, exactly. <laughs> what is knowledge? What is knowledge? Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay, come on. But that's it, it's a it's a fair argument against what I said. It's just you know I I want to point that out because like that the majority of all context of what happens in a team is always lost about upon anyone that is outside of the oh, team, gosh. right? And I just wanted to make this point. Uh, but I said it in a in a strange way that opened up for mockery, and I invited. It. it was good right. fun. Okay. No, 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 but, it, but 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 I agree. But like Ellis's situation is that he has control over this roster. You know, he's been the one who wants these specific players. He's also controlling the academy roster and bringing the players. He preceded the team with, you know, Max Waldo and Vegar and these people who are, I mean, Max Waldo was directly a disciple of his in Korea. Like, I don't know what to say about that. So it could not have been set up for more control from Ellis. His coaches are people he has literally trained right? Or who agree with him at a fundamental level. Like a lot of the players are his friends or his colleagues. Like these are, you know, who, who agree with his overall philosophy. So the stars have to be aligned on this one. Like they can't possibly be more aligned than they are. Uh, no, for sure. It, it, like from, from the information that I have, it seemed like he had many opportunities over the years and he would only do this in the case where as you mentioned, the, the stars would align for him, like in terms of everything that's going on in his life. Of course, I only know this very vaguely from what I heard from others. And uh, it seems, of course, that he's going to be judged very, very heavily uh, off of what's going to happen with, with C9 this year and uh, over the coming years, no matter, like, I, I don't know what the, what the time horizon will be uh, for him. Uh, for sure, this is going to be the big test. Um, I think it's it's important to to make that distinction that the entertainer that is LS, of course, on the stream when he's catering to to fans and and the average viewer is going to be very different to the person that is going to actively uh, work within a team. And um, I'm curious. I'm I think it's very eye catching. I think if there's two things that are interesting about LCS is the fact that LS is coaching C9 and the Team Liquid roster. But these are yep. two rosters that, like two teams that spend so much fucking money to make it happen that it doesn't seem like financially responsible uh, in my mind uh, to the long term. So it's definitely one of those things that I'm going to pay attention to uh, because I'm curious about uh, to see those ideas manifest themselves within the team. And I'm curious uh, to see what kind of a challenges he's going to face uh, uh, applying his ideas in the context of actively being in those games. Because you can theorize, but being actively in those games and dealing with the challenges of working with, with people is, is, is another layer that can uh, bring a lot of difficulty. Because I know as well, when I wasn't working with the team, it's very easy to, to judge teams from outside. But then when you're within a team, you see everything from a very, very different perspective and you have to deal with other challenges that, that go past theory. So I'm certainly very curious about how it's going to pan out. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, an, an eye catcher. But I agree. I, I, yeah, there's a lot of fucking pressure. So much fucking pressure. Because if C9 goes to shit, yep. you know, oof, you're putting all of your credibility on the line. And that's uh, uh, props to that, you know. He, he had uh, a good situation going on for him, you know, with the streaming. And he's putting everything on the line, you know. Well, uh, I'm sure he's... I'm sure he's taking less money, too. Like, here's the thing. I actually think C9 is spending less money this year than last year. I bet you Do they we? are. Yeah. Without the perk salary? I bet you... I oh. bet you they're spending less money 
And they, without the Vulcan salary, I bet you they're spending less money this year than than they did last year. Yeah, but I'll counter by saying when they did the perks move, you were going all in to have enormous results and it obviously wasn't financially worth it either. So even spending less doesn't mean it's... Essentially, I agree with you, Mark. It's still the same salary. You've gone all in. In fact, I'd say with this one, you've gone even more all in. There always was the option if someone was crazy enough like Vitality to take on perks' salary to sell him. Actually, this looks like you're not investing for this split. You're investing potentially for the next three or four years in LS because what you're saying is I'm going to bring everyone in you can have the academy squad the coaching staff we're going to literally do the whole thing we're going to work out what's going on with you in Korea so you can be like they're going they're essentially saying we're just they're nailing LS to their mast mate they're going the way LS goes now I don't think they're kicking them after one split you know unless something really crazy happens yeah it's pretty all in to me yeah I'm excited uh let's move on to the next question if you had to build a team break can we get like five minutes or something (laughs) can we do one more question all right more question all right uh the reason why we're doing one more, guys, is we got to deal with all this ESL stuff. There are questions about ESL. We haven't done SI in a while. I know there are a lot of questions. Ask your questions. We'll be doing this weekly. Okay, let's um, just do two more questions, and then we'll end it. Okay. Right. If, is, this is a good one. If you had to build a team with one veteran, current or historical, and four brand new rookies, what veteran player would you choose to have the best chance of success? I feel like there's some really obvious answers to this one, but maybe somebody has a has a. Let, let, let your Marta go first. I've got a good one. But I don't think he's going to pick it, so I'll let him go first. You get one veteran player and four rookies. So essentially, which one veteran is going to guide your rookies to the the success you want? Well, hmm. It's like uh, if if I ask answer the question with my personal biases due to what I know of players, uh, but at the same time that would close me off to a wide field. Oh come of on, players. just that's more interesting though because you have an interesting take based on your life. We want interesting takes, Yamato. <laughs> You know, it's, it's it's like, for me, I felt like when I was working with Kabashat, you know, what we managed to do with Vitality, with, with our rookies, and of course, Gilius being a part of that roster too, uh, like he was so important to what we achieved. Like we wouldn't come anywhere close to, to what we achieved due to how um, down to earth he was, how much of a leader he was inside of the game and outside of the game, and that carries so much weight. So that would be like my go-to answer in, in in the context of having like four rookies. But at the same time, it's like I'm thinking of some of the guys I have here too. It's like I could see Wunder doing it, Tilly could be doing it. Um, like the, these players that um, are willing to give their effort and energy to pull someone up that is very, very low in in terms of what their standard is, you know, and that takes a lot of effort and takes a very specific character. Uh, So from the sphere of people that I know, probably Kabu would be the guy due to it being tested and true in my eyes. And then it's like, if I didn't know any players, uh, so we'd be like, yeah, let's fucking bring in perks. Yes, of course. (laughs) That's the easy answer, right? Of course. (laughs) Yeah. That is definitely the easy answer. If we're picking one, I'm assuming we're allowed to also take people who might be players right now. I would just take Mithy. I think if you put Mithy yeah. with four rookies, like who else is going to set these guys straight? So, by the way, here's the best thing: takes no golf. He's going to be. He's going to literally figure out how to play the game with them. If people are limited, he's going to figure out how to use them. I think this guy'd figure it out. He'll solve all the problems. I mean, there has to be a faker answer here too. Like Perks and Faker to me are the obvious ones. Even though Perks himself hasn't done it, you have to look at Faker who's had literally all of his teammates change. And especially after this last year where he was taking a lot of up and coming players and then looking at their success now and how much that roster grew over the course of last year and how 
I think, strong they look now. Uh, I think a sleeper pick is probably Core JJ as well, because he could do it either in North America or in Korea or in Europe and have a really strong, I think, leadership role and also, um, you know, control a lot of the shot calling within the game. So I think those are three that would probably be more obvious ones. Right, right, last question. Uh, I'm curious what Yamato's. What are the biggest fan overreactions so far from week one to two that you've seen in the the competitive space? I think there's the obvious ones, right? uh, Vitality. (laughs) Vitality was was a crazy one. It's like we always go through the, the, the same motion, you know? It's like, oh, first week, and then first week doesn't fucking matter at all. Second week, it's the same thing. It's like G2 lost against Vitality, and now they're the worst fucking team ever losing against Vitality. The fucking audacity, my <laughs> goodness. Level two gank and desire pick doesn't work out. And they are they are just they put them in hell, you know. It's like it's it's it's, it's so quick how the tide turns. It's even even in the span of a game, right? It's like someone could be griefing for the whole game. He does the highlight play that makes a, a team fight go the other direction, and then this player gets celebrated. It's just the, the time span of attention for for the viewership and what is discussed in communities is just so 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 it's like I think any anything that is complete in the sense of this is going to happen for sure, this is the winner of the split, I think that's already an overreaction. This team is shit, is already an overreaction beyond what we already knew uh, coming into the split, right? It's like if, if we, for example, were 3-2 or 1-4, whatever, I would still view the roster the same way. It's like all my ideas of what should be happening in the spring split are still ideas that I had before the split even started. Week one and two is not going to be, in most cases, enough to change that unless someone's monster griefing or someone's playing super, super well. But I don't think we have enough information to make like huge, huge, like, like any differences in contrast to what I already knew at the beginning of the split. So I think there's been many, many overreactions. Uh, it's just the, the the fucking time span of people's focus is like a little it's like a little rat running in this wheel, you know. It's just it's like it's not fucking functioning. It's like overcooking. You know? it's, it's just fucking hell. <laughs> I've never seen a truly great player and with such great charisma like hated on as much as perks ever since he went to cloud nine people just prey on this motherfucker's downfall it's like they get actual joy from the idea that like he entered a game even though by the way i will just refer you to what yamato said earlier and what i was saying the whole summer split when he was in cloud nine here's the thing with perks the moment you should be scared for perks is the moment he just locks in the oriana and sits under tower that's when it's over for perks i want the perks that ints because when he ints guess what he's going for players that will win the game and when they work it's like the fucking tiebreaker on leblanc at worlds that's the magic you will not get from a player who isn't willing to risk it all so again the idea you're out on perks after one week my sweet summer child you can fuck off then tell you what you don't get to come back to the perks camp this month this year we just get to do it so i'll take the perks coin and i'll hold with my diamond hands and at worlds i'll see you motherfuckers <laughs> later shall i while you're all watching from behind exactly <laughs> Perks Diamond Hands definitely, definitely going to provide value. (laughs) I mean, those are the obvious ones. I don't think that there have been actually surprisingly too many overreactions on the on the LCS side of things because people know that lock in is kind of a clown fiesta. I will say that thinking dig is good is is probably not going to 
hold up too well for you guys. Uh, Jojo Pian has been the massive overreaction, and that's not even his fault because he's been playing well. But again, of as course. we touched on earlier in this show, he is playing as part of a system that is designed to alleviate pressure and make him look good, which is great. That's a good place to be as a rookie, right? You want to feel confident without having the game hinge necessarily on your performance. So um, we'll see about we'll see about that one. I think probably you know he'll be a mid-ranked uh, mid laner. He's also lucky that he doesn't have to deal with like, I don't know, Jensen in the league. And it's going to be a little bit easier for him at that position, given the current strength of mid laners in, in NA overall. Right. That's cool. it. See you All next right. week. Bye. <laughs>